Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Recorded live. Okay, then we started recording. I'm sorry about missing Hartford's introduction and things. Um, hopefully we'll get okay. time to do that again. Uh, go, go ahead, please, David. So anyway, um, uh, just so Hartford knows, I've been, uh, what I did, because I, I was getting from people in, down there in Florida, you and I have talked about it, that I was getting copies of copies of copies of copies of, of the your uh, criminal complaint uh, slash affidavit of, you know, ob- obligation, et cetera. And um, so uh, I basically took it and uh, went into Photoshop and created a whole new crispy, clear template. And Ooh. I have been using uh, that template uh, in its, in its you know, manifested form here that I've, I'm, that, uh, I've created these criminal complaints and passed them out at the federal level, at, at the President Trump, uh, uh, Obama, Sessions, uh, Loretta Lynch, all of them, uh, the, the Department of the Treasury of the United States, the Department of the Treasury for Michigan, uh, the Secretary of State for Michigan, the, uh, the Governor and the, the uh, uh, Attorney General uh, have all got copies of my claims in commerce against both the state of Michigan and the United States uh, in their corporate veil, <clears throat> and but, um, but that's got to, uh, And so, um, I think I, I mean I've I'm now established with the claim that I, I'm now I, I have a, a billion and a half that is owed to me by the, the state of Michigan itself. And the, the United States owes me, uh, you know, I, I don't know, 500 million or something like that uh, that I've calculated. And I've sent these things in with written ledgers, and I've posted all the evidence on the web, so everything's now public. So I've I've really grounded myself with your work this past year since I first found out about your stuff, uh, and when I went to, to Florida. Now it's really easy to use. It's really easy to use. Well, and well, the problem for me is where I take it now. I'm I'm just waiting for somebody to either the state of Michigan. They say that I owe them eight hundred and eighty dollars, and they've been making the threat of of uh, garnishing wages or or applying a lien, and I'm just waiting to see how they do it because as soon as they do, I'm going to come right back at them with something else, uh, something that's going to be validated based on my claims. Uh, So (laughs) I don't know where to take this next. That's that's the problem. There's three stages to it, the criminal complaint, the lien, and the default judgment, notice of default. And the notice of default is created by creating a currency usable on the street. That's basically it. 
Okay, and I've seen your your book, uh, you know, the Creating Wealth. Uh, you had two books. One, you know, uh, both of them have the criminal complaint in it, but I've seen those those uh, notes that that. You know, I don't know where to go next because I I don't want to end up like Randy Do, and I don't want to. Well, Randy um, Randy Do got to that point. He got in that situation because he didn't do the default notice. He didn't do notice of default, and they they put him in there before he could do it. And the people in Colorado are sitting in, I know you deal with the people in Colorado, and they're sitting in, in prison right now because apparently they had done some lien, but maybe they didn't take that next step either. They didn't. So how, let's let's do a how-to on steps two and three. Well, you have the lien, and it goes 90 days if they don't challenge it, and they usually don't because it would be an admission to their... They can't can't challenge it because it is a spin-off from the criminal complaint. They have to challenge every box is checked. And they've got 90 days to get the job done, and if they don't, that's three months Jewish. They got three. They've got uh, 90 days or three months to get the thing done, and if they don't challenge the uh, lien within that period of time, it becomes an accounts receivable. Yeah. Then okay. you're putting. The, then your problem is finding somebody that is willing to accept it. But by putting it out publicly, you are establishing the fact that a negotiable instrument exists. It might stay in an idle position for a couple of years until you figure out how to move it the way you want to move it, but or the way people will take advantage of it. And that time is going to shorten here because people are beginning to realize that stuff can be done. And so, but... When it was first came out in 1997, there was hardly anybody that knew about community currency by comparison. Now you right. can look up. Now you can look up community currency on the internet and find sites that have had a couple million people look at them. I mean, it's okay. a whole different, it's a whole different world than it was when those notes first came out 20 years ago. Well, now your constitutional citation has, I think, on page two or three. That you, it's it says outright that that it constitutes itself being it a, a criminal complaint. That on page two, three or four, it says on there that that if uh, that it it itself constitutes a lien and an account receivable itself. Does. Yeah, it does. It on signature page like after the signature. Yes. Okay. It's an initial, so, it is the initial lien. That is correct. Okay, so are you saying that there is another lien that has to be done after that? Yes, uh-huh. you file it with the county recorder's office. Okay, yeah. but if I'm filing this against you the know, United... Apparently, apparently you don't have a copy of the lien process. Uh, well, if that's apparent, then I'll take your word for it. Uh, well, it's a four-page instrument, and there's a, and you can. It's easy if you want a copy. Just give me your address, and I'll send you a copy of it. I will do that right now because I don't have four pages. Uh, everything I've got comes in the book form from you. So, uh, yeah, it, have you got a pen handy? Yeah. Okay. D is in David. E is in Egg or Edward. S C H I E D. Like my last name. I have, uh, yeah. Yeah, I have, I have David D A V I D. Is that correct? 
Uh, no, it, well, my email address is D-E-S-C-A-I-E. I'm not going to send it by email. I'm sending it oh. by U.S. Postal Service. Oh, okay. David, okay. David Scheid, yep. The uh, last name, you got it already. What's your mail and address? P.O. Box. P.O. P.O. Box. I got to catch up with you. P.O. Box, what? 1378. One three seven eight. Novi N O V I N O V I Michigan Michigan four eight three seven six four eight three seven six. Correct. Okay. Yeah. I'll get to, I'll, I can, I'll send that to you so you can see what it looks like, and uh, I'll send you a copy okay. of the one I filed in the Seattle case too. Okay. Uh, and please do, and then um, that will tell me what that second step looks like. And then step three. You'll see a sample of the currency, and I'll send you something of the currency sample. All right. Just, There's two uh, types of currency. There's two types of currency, a check form and a street currency. The street currency is in seven denominations, 137, 12, 23, 71, and $230. Okay. There's well, seven, sure seven that- different ones. Hmm? Be assured that I have step one completely covered, and that's, that's um, good. That's good. Just a second. Just just say it. <coughs> Boy. Uh, okay, uh, you've got step one covered, and uh, I'll, I'll send you enough material to see the other steps. Okay. Thank you. You're uh, I have a clarification question with uh, with Charles. Charles, you had uh, said something about uh, Hartford's technology. Now, uh, I've known Hartford as somebody who does deal with mail and not with files very much, and uh, so I'm I'm curious as to where you got the uh, impression that we've got technology involved. The, the the commercial process that Hartford has developed, I believe, is um, te- it is a technology. Thank you, Hartford. Yeah, okay. I know. I see what you're saying. Yeah, it is a technology. It's just that it's technology is several thousand years old. Well, it's a science. It's a science. It's, okay. it's an advanced science, right, Hartford? Well, the Jews have kept it pretty clean, but everybody else has jumped on the things, try to make it confusing. Where there's confusion, there's profit. The more pro- confusion, the more profit. That seems to be their theory. The de facto government is all of the legal processes are unnecessary, that are used in the courts are unnecessarily complicated. Yeah, agreed. Uh, civil, commercial law. I teach. I've taught a course in commercial law, uh, like a Friday evening, all Saturday, and parts of Sunday, and it basically was about 16 hours. I can teach a whole full course in commercial law. But I put most of that in the books, so it's, it's all, all my stuff is released to the public domain. And so, uh, I mean, on uh, on law, politics, history, uh, commerce, com- constitutional, civil rights, all of that stuff, cr- criminal law, anything I've worked on over the last 42 years that's in those fields, is uh, if you can find it in print somewhere or one way or another, uh, it's all released to the public domain. It can be reproduced for a profit. 
You can print my stuff up and have it as your back table at your own seminars. If you hold seminars, you can just use it as part of the material you dispense to the people. And you don't have to call me and ask permission to do it. It's all public domain. And so I want to basically do is tell people where they can look it up. I've got a couple things. I've got two manuals that I had the digital on it before I was put in prison, but uh, they put me in prison to keep me from publishing my book, but they didn't succeed at that either. It had the copyright release on it, on the book itself, and somebody caught that and said, well, I'm going to put it out. So somebody published my book. I went into a prison system in 2002, and in 2005, my, my book showed up on the public streets. And the guy that made the copy of it, uh, who published it, did a beautiful job. He was very faithful about it. He didn't put any comments in there of his own. He just printed the manuscript just as it was. He uh, didn't put in the two large tables of contents, but that didn't uh, that didn't limit the uh, the effect of the book itself. So it's it exists, and then there's the one that you can also get it off of 4-cd.com. That's uh, the right to keep and bear leads. That's a very important book to read. It's very highly compressed. And if you don't get at these things, uh, my stuff on 4-cd.com, there's two other ways of getting them. There's uh, Arnie Rosner has a site called Scanned Retina. S-C-A-N-N-E-D. Retina is R-E-T-I-N-A. And uh, that's .com. And uh, the other one is all you have to do is type in Hartford Van Dyke and quote marks in either the Yahoo or the Google search engines. And you'll come up with quite a few uh, references. You'll come up with references from my enemies as well as my friends, so you maybe have to sort it out a little bit. But it's uh, there's quite a bit on this subject matter. A lot of it is repetitious. And maybe 10 pages with 10 citations on each page, 100 different sources. But basically, they've it's uh, the same material. It's just repeated in different different combinations. So, and most of it is very easy to understand. It's it's written for the common reading. It's not a uh, there's no fancy vocabulary in it. Uh, I don't use any case law. I haven't used any case law for 42 years. I concentrate on the use of about 15 United States codes in total, and uh, Almost everything I do is based on those because they're the ones that are connected with filing criminal complaints. I don't engage in civil processes. I don't engage in the processes of the courts. So it's, uh, it's very straightforward. There's nothing and, and, and you make your public record at the county recorder's office? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, in that case, I had up in Seattle against... Uh, Chief Justice Kugenauer, John C. Kugenauer, Seattle District Court, uh-huh. uh, United States District Court. Uh, I filed that one up there in King County. Uh-huh. And it's available. It's, it was uh, 1997, so the first two digits are 97. It was February, so 02 are the next two digits. It was filed on the 4th, this would be 97, 02, 04. And then comes the filing number, which is a 0859. So, so Hartford. Yes. Um, I have a question for you. If if um, if I if I've got my criminal complaints and my initial lien here, 
uh, against the United States. Uh, would I? I don't see the relevance of trying to file something in my own county here in Michigan. No, you have, to, you have to make it. You have to make it a matter of public record. You can file it in any any county recorder's office in the United States. Okay, and it's not enough to to post it on the internet as a public record, then. Oh, you should do that too. Okay, because I've got it all post posted on the web, and it, and some of this stuff has been up there for months. But it's and, the lien. And, but it's the lien that you pu- file in public. Okay. It's the and lien that you that file in public that establishes the the dollar value, the, the market market value of the item. And then after you've put the lien out and they don't uh, challenge the lien, then it goes into it becomes a default. It becomes an accounts receivable at the amount of the lien. Then it's then you can set up your own bank. And my paperwork shows you how to set up a bank too. It's called the Public Wealth Rebate Bank. <laughs> That's so solid, Hartford. Well, it's very simple. Anybody can learn how to do it. Yeah, but it's it, most people don't think in these kind of terms. And it, well, the Jews That's why do. it's revolutionary you, you, technology. You, you're going to have to understand something. The Jews think this way. Now, a Jew can get on the line and, and uh, this on the West Coast here and order a carload of iron and it'll almost be on the tracks before the phone calls up. I mean, that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but they do business without paper. They do it by word of mouth because they're tribal in nature and they trust each other. But when that iron arrives on the West Coast, that man better be able to pay for it or he's uh, commercially, he'd be commercially uh, suppressed from then on. He would not be part of the Jewish commercial world and he would be ostracized. So they have, it's extremely strict. The Jewish version of commercial law is extremely strict. They never, uh, all of their court trials are, among them are uh, in private in a synagogue or some other building that they operate. They never air their dirty linen in public. And the, and the people themselves don't fight the battles. They, like the lower court will have three rabbis and each one takes the position of the defendant in, in, uh, in succession. Uh, it's a different way of running a court. They get through the business of it. They have the people that are antagonists to each other tell them what's going on. And they they figure it out amongst them, and they make a ruling, and that's final. And um, they're out of the place, maybe within an hour, and back on the street making money. That's the way they think. Is, is there any chance that they could be brought to recognize the validity of your commercial instruments? They know they're valid. Well, nobody's nobody's ever found fault with my instruments. Will will they facilitate processing and monetizing if we order something off of your liens? I kind of doubt it because they don't like to. They want a monopoly of the system. They want the Federal Reserve note to be used. Well, that's that's their note. That's their note. We 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 should develop process for breaking through that. Well, it's very simple. Just don't use their notes. See, okay. once you create a, a thing of value, you you also create a currency store. Yeah, and you, we can we can do that with computers today. A currency store. And in fact, it, this thing is much broader than just that, that note. That is a that is what you'd call a uh, punish a note for punishing people. Punitive. Mm-hmm. The public wealth rebate note I put out is a punitive note. Mm-hmm. But but people can make their own currencies. I've made my own currency. You put your it's. Uh, 
you know your picture's in the middle of it instead of George Washington, and you sign it with your own ink and you put your own uh, information on it. It's like a bank check, but where it differs from the bank check is the back side of the note. It contains a listing of what type of substance that you're backing the note with. Mm-hmm. And on the top where instead of saying public wealth rebate note or Federal Reserve note or U.S. note as they would expect it, the top says it's a CGS note, capital goods and services note. That tells us that basically that the source is your, or you can put your own name at the top of the note. But you put it down as a CGS note, capital goods and services note. And so they turn the note over on the back side and they get a listing of the backing of the note. And then that goes into a store. You make sure that uh, you have you create a store when you do create this note. You have one for the community, and everybody uses runs their notes through it, just like the banks have a clearinghouse. Mm-hmm. And you, uh, one person might be offering uh, piano lessons, another offering carpentry, another automobile repair. Mm-hmm. And the notes can be traded through a currency store, and even some of it can be held at the currency store, like in a, a uh, vault. It can be tapped, and so when somebody wants a certain note for a certain person, an exchange is made in the store for that note. It's, this it's, is very valuable, Hartford. Huh? Uh, there's current breakthroughs with encryption technology where where people are are like Bitcoin that that people are doing a whole lot of things that are that are revolutionary. But Bitcoin's flawed, but they're they're advancing past that now. And 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 the by plugging in the technology at the grassroots foundational level of, of that encryption technology thing, you're, there's you're no encryption. Listen, you're getting into all this fancy stuff and encryption and so forth. I don't do that. I have anything to do with that. For one thing, if you look at an ordinary bank check, you'll see that there's a line that people rarely use. It's called the memo line. Yeah. That's the reason the note was issued. But you don't get the memo line through bit, bit currency. That's the problem. Right, right. It's, it, all it is is a method of, of uh, getting things to happen quicker, but it's not safe. The contract issue is lost. If you yeah. make a, if you had a note for a million dollars and it sat on the memo line of a bicycle, that would be considered an impossible note, unless somebody was selling an antique bike worth a million dollars. Yeah, because it would be taken as a fraud if somebody had to make change for a million dollars for a fifty-dollar bike. That would be considered some type of a scam. Yeah, but you, but you see, you, your Bitcoin, I, this stuff. <laughs> You've got to study this a little bit more and see the dangers of doing things by computer because all it is is numbers and people can play with those numbers. The only, there's only basically two things that are used. To, do you, well, you, when you do barter, you have to have some method of clearing the barter or else it's, it hangs in the, in the balances and can't be completed. If a man's got a $300 cow, wants to buy a $500 horse, he's got to supply the difference some way. He could, yeah. And he could supply it with food. He could supply it with gold and silver or something else with intrinsic value. Or he can go the one route that is otherwise, and that's called a currency, which means he would create a note, of, a promissory note, to cover the remaining 200. And uh, the best and most variable way, uh, I would say the most uh, fluent method of doing it is to create a currency 
dollar bills denominated. And if a person created their own dollar bills, they could put on there, well, a certain amount of this bill can be cleared off. I offer certain things in substance for this note. He'd have to be able to come up with $200 worth of substance in the form of a note contract. But that's not Bitcoin. You're talking a commercial contract, an IOU at least. Mm-hmm. A promise of labor, that's called a bond, bondage or a bond. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there has to be some substance. I don't like Bitcoin for the precise reasons that you say. It's not a safe currency. Well, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's quite possibly engineered by the CIA. Um, I don't know what it is. I don't, I don't get into all that stuff because it's not necessary. When, right, you start, right. when you start going off in sidetracks relative to the big system that exists out there already, which has already ruined us, all you're doing is giving credibility to something that has got to be abandoned or we're in trouble. See, the Chinese have got, the Federal Reserve has run up, a, uh, borrowed a bunch of money from the Chinese. And, uh, but they tried to tag us with a responsibility for it. And to some extent, it's true because American people haven't put up a, a, a halt to what the Federal Reserve Corporation has been doing. They've just been using their money. And so there's a problem there. But the Red Seal notes still exist. There's uh, all the gold was outlawed. The use of gold was outlawed in 1933 by the Federal Reserve and, and FDR, and it was done so that uh, the tellers didn't have to put gold and silver over the tellers' window. That allowed everything to go to paper, and that allowed the Federal Reserve Corporation to inflate the currency tremendously. Yeah. But the public was willing to go along with it, so they gave, the public gave it credibility by using it. But the public needs to understand within within three years, we've got the Chinese are going to have a, a armada finished. They can come over and stand all along the Pacific coast, outside the three-mile limits, with a, with a, a whole naval force out there, and they can stop shipping going in and out of the United States in order to guarantee the money being paid back. And everybody in the world will accept it as a proper thing to do because China has the right to collect the money that's owed to them. I mean, and what it's going to do is open the door to the Chinese getting uh, property in exchange for that loan and getting notes of uh, immigration to allow them to buy buy property in the United States and immigrate here because that's they were they they bought it. They loaned us money. They're buying Bellevue, Washington, for example. Yeah, yeah. So you see, from a position of shipping, they can put a lot of pressure. They can put a boycotts on things passing the three-mile limit line. They can issue notice, notes, uh, notices of uh, mark and reprisal. And if they expect to have that armada done by 2020, that's only three years. That's within uh, Donald Trump's four-year sentence. I call it a four-year sentence. <laughs> yeah. Most thankless well, job I, in the world. I'm going to have to get in line because I've got my claim against the United States. I tell you what, I better be paid for China. <clears throat> well, you can do it if you create your own currency. And people, are have have to, people are going to have Maybe. to get the idea straight. They either establish a currency or they're going to be working with a Chinese currency. And the, the whole system is going to go to the back and call the Chinese. We don't fight wars with bombs anymore. We fight it with economics. Right on. That's it. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we need to develop uh, defenses to the, the, the economic <laughs> warfare that's being waged against us. You and, have it. And you have it already. You put currency on the street, you've got a weapon against it. Right, right, right. But nobody don't. knows it. It's like a... a well, we've just, look, we've just said it. We, right, right, right. But we need to market it. We need to make it more popular so that so that we can mass a counterforce against the evil that's oppressing well, us. Well, if you want to start that, get the one book that's also available on 4-cd.com called The Bank Book. It tells you how to advertise the notes. Okay, well, there's a multitude of ways of advertising. Everybody's got their own ideas about that. Sure. Yeah, but that's the battle before us. It's a battle for the minds and hearts of the people. Yeah, so all you do is you set up your own currency, you create yourself a currency store and get to work with it. Yeah, yeah. And then you you have people deposit money. People can deposit money that they obtain from these commercial lien processes for the public. People that will come in there and want to do public projects, that's part of your currency store. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to briefly welcome somebody from California that just tuned in. Would you like to say hi, California? That's all right. Okay, okay. Um, I've got to, I've got uh, to get me, going. Let me here. just say that I, I'm on that uh, uh, that uh, that website, and it, it forwards to fourcornersdoctrine.wordpress.com, and I just typed in uh, the search of the page for bank book, and Hartford, I'm not seeing it here. I'd, I'd like to download it right now if I could. Well, who is this talking? David. This is David. David Scheid, I'll send you yeah. a copy. I'll send you a copy of my disc on this stuff. It's got how to create currencies for local communities, right to keep in bear liens, and uh, it's got the bank book and it's got a few other things. And I, there's, I've got this other list of stuff to send you too. But okay. uh, the, I usually send the disc, disc out for five dollars postpaid. That's cheap. It's a 129-page book, and the rest of the stuff comes up to about 300 pages, I think. All right. Well, I've probably got a lot of it already, except for that bank book. But um, uh, I thought I could just get it real quickly here off this website. But um, well, you should be able to find it there. And if you don't find it there, go to Arnie Rosner's site. I, I've posted oh. web links in the chat window to Arnie Rosner's site. Um, uh, I, I can send you more links uh, after to the show here, David. Yeah, there's okay. another thing. If you wait a minute, I'll get you Arnie Rosner's telephone number. So if you're having trouble finding it on his site, he can tell you where to look. I already for have Arnie's number, and I know his website. I'm good. Okay, um, that's fine. Just, just uh, don't forget, because you've told me one other time about eight months ago that you were going to send me something, and I never got it. But uh, what was that? You know, I know you've been... I've uh, had, I've had some problems with communication, but I, I've got your number now. Okay. Very good. I, I'm. I'm just. Uh, I was very excited to see that uh, that uh, Charles had made contact with you and that you were gonna, we were going to be able to talk again. I'm. I'm very grateful that you're still around. You're still uh, uh, still kicking. Thank yeah. you. You got my phone number, don't you? Now. I do. Yeah. Five oh five oh nine five oh nine seven three eight three zero three nine five oh nine seven three eight three zero three nine. Yeah, Hartford's very popular. 509-738-3039. Got it. And my t- hours here are f- uh, from 11 o'clock in the morning to 5 o'clock in the evening, Monday through Friday at Pacific time. 
All right, sir. Okay. Uh, uh, get stuck, call Charles, me. Yes, I will. I'll, I'll be on you. <laughs> okay. You're a good man. I'm sorry you didn't get the stuff that I was going to send you, but I... That's uh, all right. Uh, the post office is open tomorrow, so, um, but uh, I'm not going to rush you. Uh, Charles, I know that uh, Hartford's uh, busy. I'm going to bug out for just a minute here and, and mute myself so that uh, you and Charles can get anything else take, or you and Hartford can get anything else done. I've just, I've just got to leave pretty quick here. Okay, well, I'll, I'll do what I can without both of you if you've both got to leave here. Um, okay. Um, David, you're coming back though, right? I just said I was muting. I'm, I, you know, I wanted the Hartford to be able to get t anything taken care of with you, while I'm not taking up his time. Okay, uh, Hartford. And you, you got, you got the tell, you got the telephone number, and I also make this uh, notice to people. If anybody that calls me, uh, they and they're trying to get advice or something that they can, it would be very simple for them if they would just put a tape recorder on the line, then I don't have to repeat the stuff again. Right. Right. Are, are you available possibly for another call sometime next week or two? Sure. Okay, that'll be great. I'll try to set something up with you like that again, and, and maybe next time we can have more time? Yeah. Okay, I appreciate that, Hartford. You're welcome. Talk to you later. Bye. 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 All right. Well, it's just me and David, and David's got to uh, put on me to step away for a while. Is that correct, David? No, I, 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 I'm back now that Hartford's gone. I, you've taken care of all your business with Hartford, which was the whole reason why I was muting myself, and now I'm back. Okay, great. Um, we do have another caller, uh, California, on the line. I'd like to invite California again to, to say hi and perhaps express some concerns or comments. Oh, hello? Hello, California. Yeah, uh, yeah. Sorry, you called before I had you on speaker. I was on the other side of the uh, room. Okay. Uh, wireless headset. Uh, I just caught. I just, you know, came in. I thought I recognized the voice. That was Hartford Van Dyke that you were uh, speaking. That's of. true. Right. Maybe I'll have to catch the uh, the download. Yeah. Um. But. Um, can you tell us what your interest is and maybe a name we can refer to you as? Oh, you can call me Dean. My name is Dean. Dean, okay. Yeah, I'm into lawful remedy. All right. Are Trying you to any... figure out how to beat this big machine. Well, or maybe we should starve the big machine. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what that metaphor means. <laughs> Uh, are you talking about the big bad machine that's presently the de facto government? Right, what what we refer to as our government. <laughs> yeah, loosely, loosely. Um, um, well, to my thinking, um, it, uh, it's not good to feed a bully, to reward him for their bullying, because uh, that just encourages the bad behavior. We need to starve them, I would suggest. Okay, I, I understand that. Unfortunately, this is uh, such a sophisticated system. I more lend towards trying to understand the basic rules and then using their rules against them. In other words, 
we know how effective the government with using their methodology can be against the uh, you know the private person. I just say mirror their behavior and beat them at their own game. Well, we we are in a battle. Um, I would suggest that um, we don't need to constrain ourselves to just using their tools. We can also use common law tools. Well, that that's exactly how to beat them. Uh, they they don't use common law though. They avoid it like the plague. Exactly. Unless, of course, they're dealing with a common law entity, and then they don't have a choice. Well, we frequently go in and claim our common law rights as common law entities, and they refuse to recognize our status as common law entities. What proof do you have of what type of entity? I'm sorry, what type of entity are you referring to? I'm referring to um, our, each of us as natural flesh and blood people. That is a common law entity. Okay, right. Yeah, my my understanding is that you have to present it to the system in a way that they can understand it. They can understand it. I explain it to them idiot proof. The problem isn't with a lack of explanation. Problem is with corruption and malicious intent on their part. Well, I mean, more so uh, uh, by showing proof by creating a record that's uh, unrebuttable that is going to govern the uh, whatever encounter you want to have with them. Uh, I, I choose not to uh, not to engage in public things with a private with my private uh, Christian name. All right, so I choose to interact with the system through uh, my own choice of entities. And my choice would be a is a foreign grantors trust with a choice of law clause that uh, puts the trust into common law. Well, I, I dare suggest you're you're, you're constructing a, a legal fiction for yourself. You're, that what you're constructing Correct. there is not a natural exactly. person. No, absolutely not. Because why would I want the private natural person to interact with a fiction? I would want to have a fiction to interact with that fiction. Well, I just said what you said. Um, uh, okay. You are using a legal fiction. Correct. Well, I, I, I'm philosoph- I, I have no inherent blockages to using legal fictions, but um, um, uh, I believe our position is stronger if, if we come forward as natural flesh and blood people. Oh, there's the, there's the natural flesh and blood person behind the, the entity, of course. Well, um, but if you if you my my understanding is that if you go, um, we're, we're mostly referring to uh, presentments like court or taxes or that type of thing. Like, I didn't catch uh, the question. Uh, like for example, uh, when government crosses the line and intrudes into the private of our lives, right? Yeah. Okay, so. What I'm trying to do, to or what I've done is to prevent that, is by interacting through a uh, foreign grantor trust, which, again, 
has a choice of law clause, which places it into the common law. So if they want to interact with that entity, then they must interact with me uh, in common law. I dare suggest that, that what you're creating, your legal fiction there, is, is not operating within common law, because common law does not operate with legal fictions. Co- common law only operates with natural persons. Mm, I would disagree. Trusts are private. They operate under the under trust law, which is private law. Right. You can but choose. You law. can choose in your trust a cho- what's called a choice of law, and and that's what essentially gives the uh, power to the foreign grantors' trust right. is the choice of law. Because if you read the Hague Convention on uh, trust, okay, it's a recognized trust and that's a way that you can interact with them instead of being bound by the statute. It seems to me that my my problem has always been that when I've tried to battle them in their statutes, that it's like trying to win in a casino. <laughs> statutes are rigged against the uh, the, uh, the the person. We all agree right? on that. We all agree on that, yeah. Right, right. So in order to get them on a level playing field, um, bring them into a uh like for example uh the way that one of the one of the ways that you can uh interact through the courts with these uh governmental entities is using rules of admiralty which are very powerful in fact okay so if you wanted to bring them into their courts Right, say say uh uh I, I, I get a presentment, right? And uh the government wants something from me. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna say, well, you know, yeah, sure, I agree. Okay, uh maybe I violated one of your statutes or one of your charges. Okay, yeah, okay, I'm gonna agree with that. And then I'm going to also cross-complain or counter-complain against him, saying, okay, sure, well, you've engaged me in commerce, okay, and I'm willing to accept the charges that you present me with. Well, here's my bill. So you, you more or less it's, you put them in a position to where uh, they say they owe you $50, and you say, okay, great, I owe you $50, but you owe me 100 So when we get to the settlement table, you're going to have to fork over $50 to me. That David, do you have any comments on all this? David? Um, yeah, I, I, I just, um, Go ahead. I was on mute. and um, Yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing with the uh, United States and the state of Michigan. The United States... Uh, Department of Education says that I owe them money for my master's degree and and I work towards my PhD, and I'm saying that they owe me a whole lot more, and I build them, and uh, we're kind of at a standoff as, as far as I can see, and um, all they keep doing is telling me I owe them the money, uh, and I keep telling them that they owe me the money. 
And that's the, the same thing with Michigan. They say that I owe them $880, and I say you owe me $1.5 billion. So go ahead and take the money out of what you owe me and just pay me the rest, please. And we're just, just kind yep. of at a standoff. That, that's kind of where it's at right now. So I'm waiting to see if uh, if the state of Michigan is going to do any wage garnishment or liens against anything or do anything that's going to try to take any property as they have threatened. I don't have any any real property, but I have, you know, vehicles and things like this that have, are currently registered with the state. And if they want to take anything from me, that's going to be my, I'm going to observe how they've done it because I've matched every way that they've notified me of all the stuff. And so if they want to start taking something from me, then it's my turn. And I'll start taking some things from them. And we'll see where this goes, you know, because it, it always, because they've got the bigger guns and all, yeah, they got the guns. Uh, it, it, it's always going to be ending up in their favor initially, like it was with the Bundys in Oregon, you know. Luckily, somebody had, came to their senses and, and, and let the Bundys, uh, you know, go. But <clears throat> I, I will expect that, you know, I may have to, uh, spend some time behind bars, you know, in order to to deal with what I'm dealing with until something happens because they seem to think that they can do whatever they want and the road doesn't go both ways, whether it's common law or anything else. That's it. Excellent summary, David. Um, yeah. Um, um I'm glad you you've positioned yourself well there. Um uh, do do both of you agree that you're following similar process here? Well, I'm not really sure what David's doing and uh you know what uh, what processes he's used against him other or what type of notice. Cuz for me an important thing is to use the private administrative process because then it's not my word against their word I have a witness witness is one of your is one of the government's public officials uh, note by notary process uh, I mean, I mean do, you, uh, so, do you understand what I meant when I said uh, by private administrative process in other words you're having everything witnessed or sent out by notary presentment Okay, so there's not a question as to who sent who what. And the notary sort of acts as a, uh, as a court, like a court uh, that witnesses what each party does. So at the end of the process, if the other party uh, dishonors you or uh, agrees with you through what? Uh, Tacit procuration, right? They they agreed they agreed their silence again because that's one of the things about uh, these public people is that they're not going to acknowledge anything. They can't acknowledge anything. So one of the uh, remedies I understand is to get them into agreement. And for example, in the student loan, if you Send a notice to them that says, "Well, you know, according to my accounting, 
yes, I do owe you $800, and you owe me... Well, I personally wouldn't use such a, a large number. I'd try to put it in something reasonable, like, uh, uh, like for example, you're using my uh, property in commerce, okay? And if you're using my property in commerce, then here are the charges that I assess when my property is used in, com- in commerce. And you can assess it as, you know, like, a, what is it, a Tampa Trayvon uh, case, $1,000 a minute, right? So, you know, put a reasonable amount on your claim and counterclaim them through an administrative process. Now, if they ever bring you uh, into court, okay, you can file a counterclaim. You can present uh, in in an in-camera review uh, your private administrative process that shows that, well, you know, they owe me uh, you know, half a million dollars or they owe me 200 or or $20 million because they've uh, used my name in, in, in commerce and we had an agreement that that's what they would pay me or they would stop using that, uh, uh, taking that benefit from me, basically. I don't know if that makes, does that make sense to you? Yeah, it sounds uh, right to me. The, the, right, the point yeah, is it, it, to have the notary witness it because, in other words, it's just you say one thing and the other side says the other thing, and that's the nature of a controversy. So when you're in court, they love the controversy. Okay, what you want to do is get agreement. And once you have them in agreement, then that's it. You got them. Summary judgment, end of story. <laughs> Can I ask what sort of a notary you're using? Is it a normal uh, California state uh, uh, licensed notary? Yeah, a regular notary, right? Because the notary acts as an interface between the private and the public. Okay, well, that's your common law second witness, and that's what mm -hmm. secures your your default, I suggest. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Someone witnessed it. Just like, well, you could also have it witnessed by, like, you know, two or three people. Okay, but uh, if you're going to uh, use those instruments in commerce, then it's good to have uh, the the public witness it so that you can now give notice to the public of that dishonor. Mm -hmm. Well, um, once you've got um, your second witness then that is certified under public law, especially when um, the opposing party has not placed anything in the public mm-hmm. record opposing mm-hmm. it. Right, exactly. Or in, you know, in, in that private communication. Yeah. Because you, you, if you go into a, uh, a public court and you try to uh, present private uh, stuff, the court won't see it. That's why courts don't recognize you when you stand up and say I'm a man, and you know I have rights, and I'm flesh and blood. I don't recognize that. I can't recognize that. They well, that's with, because they're they corruption. Deal with and, they deal with fictions, right? Well, that's the corrupted private hostile takeover of our public courts. I'm working to change the very court system that we operate within because I believe we can establish our own courts. But I admit that. Um, uh, my ideas are unfashionable, so I am trying to build upon the more popular ground base that you and David are working with here. 
Yeah, well, it's their courts. They're all private. You know, the I mean, you know, they're all they're sure. all private courses. They're, they're, you know, and even under the guise, they still have uh, the administrative court system, right? There's not true judicial courts or what you would call a uh, court of three. law. Well, yeah, an Article Three or right, well, as opposed to an Article One court, which is an administrative court. Under the uh, what is it? Uh, Article One, Section Eight, Clause Seventeen, I think. Uh, don't quote me on that, but it's basically the, uh, the what is it? The enab- they call it the enabling clause, where uh, Congress has uh, plenary uh, authority to make all rules over its stuff. My, it's my stuff, right? So most of the courts that we deal with are is that type of court, where they're just uh, administrating over uh, their own entities, right? I don't know if that's your understanding. It's how, like, for example, um, have you ever uh, been issued a Social Security number? Because if you have and you've used that in commerce, then you are operating uh, one of the uh, United States uh, entities and therefore are bound by uh, by their law. Right? That's why. Does that make sense? Well, I understand the proposition. I comprehend the proposition, but um, I respectfully disagree with the conclusions that we're bound by their laws, because um, uh, I I don't know. We're not. We're not making a distinction. If you use their entities, that entity is bound by their law. Um, okay, yeah. Right, right. You're not you. You, the man, the living man, the flesh and blood. No, you're not bound by those laws at all. But if you use their entity, then they're going to do one of these uh, presumptions that there's enjoinder between your body and that entity. And <laughs> So we get control of that body. So we can do whatever we want with that body. If we want to stick it in a cage, then we'll stick it in a cage. Yeah, it's a legal fiction body. Um, yep, exactly. The legal fiction is actually what's going to jail, but they're, they're um, backing up the, uh, like, for example, if you know, you're know you hit with a charge and you're going to end up in jail, it's because you owe debt. They they charge you with something and you have an obligation under a statute more or less, right? So uh, when you d- fail to perform on that obligation, then they grab the body as a surety for the bond that's created in order to uh, settle that debt. Right. Right. So. So that's one of the the tools that I've seen used in order to get people out of jail is by substituting the body with another form of obligation, another bond. That makes sense, right? So if you substitute the bond, right? So now that they have something in their little lockbox there to act as a surety, then the body comes out of jail. And the same, right, the same basic principle uh, also applies with 
um, mortgages and things of that nature. Right? Yeah. Saying you have an obligation, you have to perform an obligation. It's like, oh, okay, well, if I give you this piece of paper, right, or whatever negotiable instrument to substitute that obligation, then the house gets back to me. Not that I, not, I, I don't think I would do that. I, I, you know, question when you start trying to take assets using these processes. I, it's one thing to uh, defend your liberty, you know, and, and your happiness, <laughs> uh, or your rights to property, that is. But it's okay. another thing to use it in a predatorial way in commerce. I've got a problem with, it seems like you're allowing them to retain a position of decision-making as to whether or not your paperwork is is legitimate. Oh, no, absolutely not. Whatever whatever you're doing is always... What do you do if their their corruption does not allow uh, respect for your paperwork, doesn't recognize the legitimacy of your default? Well, they they have to under the under the concept of uh, they don't commerce. have to do anything unless a gun's pointed at them. Mm, well, are you, you are you you talking about the government or are you talking about individual agents? Anybody, mostly the government, de facto, the corrupted judiciary, things like that. Well, I've seen the judiciary be very fair. Well, maybe it happens seen... in some cases. Maybe you're luckier than a lot of us, but David and myself have both had a whole lot of problems with getting the the, the government officials to, to, to be fair. Oh, David, is that true? Me too. I, I, I do agree. In fact, I was uh, once accused of being a sovereign citizen and uh, um, uh, trumped up charges and threw me in jail for 120 days. <laughs> so I understand you know, the battle, because I've, you know, kind of been in the trenches, if you know what I mean. Well, at that point, we need something more effective than commercial remedy. Well, th- that's what led me to trying to understand, why did that happen to me? You know, because why did the I go up there and say, happened. you know, I'm a man and I have constitutional rights, and they just said, ignored me, and blah, blah, blah. Well, no, I think I, I ultimately have a a, a little bit uh better understanding of why they perceived me in that way and why I actually did have obligations to them and uh, why I went into dishonor and why they threw me in jail. They were completely correct, even though I didn't like it. And at the time, I thought they were corrupt and evil and whatever, but they did it perfectly. Perfectly. Uh, I I don't think so. I I think you probably gave them adequate notice that you were not the legal fiction and they had no claim on you. And they went against you. Huh? Oh, absolutely. Well, then, then your problem wasn't failure to do the process in good faith. Your problem was they are the decision makers. They've got a monopoly on the decision making process, and they're corrupted, and, and and they're going to treat you by a slave, no matter as a slave, no matter what you do. Well, perhaps, but ultimately, there's remedy because if you. Like for like for example, in my case, um, I uh, right gave them proper notice, told them that hey, if you wanted to uh, engage me in commerce, then there's going to be a fee, and 
uh, right now I'm in the process of uh, taking them into an international court and getting a, uh, a large judgment against them. Now, that was my learning curve. I, I could I could have avoided it at the beginning if I had uh, the ability to communicate my capacity. Are you say you didn't communicate your past capacity in your initial paperwork? Well, my paperwork did. Yeah, well, then, that, then, that's then, what ultimately then got. The you don't have an inability to communicate your capacity. You're you're misidentifying the source of your problem. I suggest, sir. Well, no, I kind of understood what happened was that I was being uh, uh, piloted by someone who was giving me very, very advanced techniques that I didn't have the full comprehension of how to employ. And, uh, and, he, told, and he told me that at the time. He said, look, you know, I know you don't really get this, but we're going to do this for these reasons, and you'll see in about a year from now when we have them in default in the International Court of Justice, which we do. So... You know, but now in retrospect, I do understand uh, it and would be able uh, more adequately to stand on my capacity as opposed to just put in paperwork that, you know, because you got to do some talking in court. You got to know how to uh, spit some fire. And I didn't really know how to spit the fire in court at, at, at that particular time. I was just a little bit... Uh, too nice, I guess. <laughs> well, I'm glad you feel like you're making progress. But, you know, um, well, mm -hmm, sure. the, the original constitutional plan, um, especially as articulated in the Sixth Amendment with um, uh, criminal jurisdiction, is mm -hmm. that, that the judicial power is to be decentralized down, down to the smaller local communities, the Sixth Amendment refers to districts. Um, uh, the, the, all crimes shall be uh, tried in the state and district in which the crime shall have been committed. That word district is, is Roman civil terminology for the common law term of, of the precinct as, as a political subdivision of the county. And presently in the USA, there's about 200,000 of those different precinct-level jurisdictions under the 3,000 or so counties in the USA. Um, and each of those um, um, precincts in each of our counties in the USA has, has jurisdiction to try, general jurisdiction, to try cr not only criminal complaints, but all of these civil economic issues also. And, and, and it, it, it's my... Uh, passion to to assemble people with with um, um, uh, the thirst for justice to move into those vacant offices um, all across the USA and to start exercising these powers and to start um, uh, uh, especially doing it for each other. For instance, if I've got a complaint against some corrupted public servant. Um, in Clackamas County, Oregon here, um, uh, you, 
down there in in whatever your county is in California can can certify as the judicial officer in precinct such and so of your county in the state of California that 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 um, uh, I have properly secured a legitimate default um, against a corrupted public servant here in Clackamas County, Oregon. And right. I, I isn't uh, I understand. John Tarash of uh, National Liberty Alliance. Has, yeah, uh, he's a COINTELPRO subversive. I don't want to work with him. He's co. Uh, no, he's. I don't think so. I well, would disagree. I respect your opinion, but my opinion's different. I'm not going to work with John Derrish. Oh, I agree with that. Oh, I don't agree with the operative thing. He's, what do you mean? He's, he's John. I mean, you get to know him, then you know he's just. Hard-headed. No, 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 no. He's, he's, part, he's part of the subversive operation. Well, what? Uh, how did you find out? I, I, I'm, I'm capable of weighing evidence of myself. I, I, I've watched the way the man behaves, the way he refuses to talk about how true common law works. He's got his own adulterated, perverted version of common law grand juries that he focuses on, and there's no reasonable explanation for why he's doing that in, in, in a perverted version of common law, other than that he's purposefully trying to subvert the true power of common law. Well, I guess that you know that's your conclusion. It's conclusion of a lot of other good patriots, also. Yeah, well, perhaps, but it doesn't necessarily oh, no, make no, it. It, 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 it doesn't well, make it a fact. Yeah, is what um, I'm saying. Charles, I think you were on a uh, starting a good track there. Um, you know, concerning the the conversation that we had last week, uh, and that was, or this week was ever. Uh, regarding the Sixth Amendment, that was a good starting point dealing with the district, but you took me through a few other documents. I don't know if you've got those documents here, but you may want to take this recording and this audience through those documents again. Uh, they were very minimal, uh, and, uh, you know, there was places where you had concrete evidence and there was places where you seemed to be fusing rational uh, thought process to to these documents to make these conclusions. So it, maybe you could run through those again if, if uh, since you started on the Sixth Amendment. Um, thank you, David. Um, um, yeah, the the Sixth Amendment thing is. Um, um, important um and um well the powerful thing there is is that we're we're um uh at that point we have the unadulterated judicial power coming through the 6th amendment because that's the the power to try crimes and make arrests and if necessary even execute the death penalty okay that that's the implications of the Sixth Amendment. That's a super powerful amendment, but it's so decentralized. It's decentralized to um, over 200,000 uh, 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 political subdivisions of the counties and the states that we live in. Um, 
So, so we need something to 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 bring together a larger coalition of 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 these judicial officers in each of these Sixth Amendment criminal judicial districts, um, so that we can act collectively in support of each other. Um, and to segue into the the commercial stuff that um, our friend in California here, here I forget your name, um, uh, but the, the 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 exclusively commercial process is not a general judicial jurisdiction. What you're what you're exercising there um, 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 is a step in the right direction. It's asserting more of the the horsepower inherent within the administrative and commercial processes, but neither of those processes is a pure common law jurisdiction like what is referenced in the Sixth and the Seventh Amendments to the U.S. Constitution. And see, if we're going to fight this battle, we're in a serious battle here, fellas. If we're going to fight this battle seriously, we need each of our constituents, each of the people that are working with us, to have as much power as his, at his fingertips as possible. And, and, and see, in each of these precinct-level um, political subdivisions of our counties, our counties have the right to organize posse comitatus, which is a, a subdivision of the state-level militia. The militia at the state level is is a state-level concept, but the militia is made up, uh, the state militia is made up of the political subdivisions of the state, which are the counties, and the, the, the executive functions in the, in the counties are, are not the terminology at that level, is no longer militia. It's posse comitatus under the county level. And further, the posse comitatus of the county is divided into 10 political subdivisions of 10 precincts. Every county in the USA, from the largest in Los Angeles to the smallest in Loving, Texas, um, um, if they're going to claim to be a, a lawful county, it's not based on geographical lines. It's based upon how many armed uh, uh, um, qualified electors that you can assemble. It's supposed to be a, a thousand-man army for each posse comitatus in every county. And Loving, Texas is going to have a problem doing that because there are only 70 uh, uh, uh people in the whole county they probably haven't got seven qualified electors um uh so but but the concept in the larger counties like los angeles 10 million people um uh, uh they are constitutionally required to be politically subdivided into 10 precincts and 10 precincts politically subdivide into 10 townships and 10 townships um um politically subdivide into the um uh, 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 the constituents of the qualified electors as heads of each of ten households. It's based upon, and I know I'm laying a lot on you here, but I'd like to kind of encapsulate it. Um, it reaches back 3,400 years to the Old Testament of the Bible in Exodus 18 and Deuteronomy 1. The Exodus 18 passage uh, talks about um, <clears throat> Uh, uh, Moses and his brother-in-law Aaron talking about um, uh, Moses trying to make all the judicial decisions 
for every controversy in the whole uh, nation of Israel. And his father-in-law, Aaron, said, hey, you're running yourself ragged and you're doing too much work here. You need to appoint captains over tens and captains over fifties and captains over hundreds and captains over thousands. And, and you let them, those captains at each of the levels, decide all the small cases and and the lower level cases will be passed up to the higher levels and and the most complex cases of them all will be brought to you and then you Moses as as uh, a leader patriarch of of the entire nation of Israel can just uh, adjudicate the very hard cases that are worthy of your time and energy rather than every single little trivial case that comes up before the whole, full nation of Israel that's Israelite Torah law, and and that's the basis of of early English common law jurisdiction, townships, precincts, and counties. A common law township is hit ten households. A common law precinct is a hundred households. A common law county is a thousand households. That's the ancient roots of the history of the entire common law process. That's not hardly known at all in all of the USA today. But um, even in modern Black's Law Dictionary, is on my webpage, um, uh, there's a reference to what's called the Hundred Court. This is English common law stuff, and it's a mirror image of the Exodus 18 concept of captains of the 100 level jurisdiction. There's solid linkages here to, to, between common law and Bible law. And, and our, our American concept of precincts is the equivalent of a hundred court. And, and um, yeah, so I, I, I've laid a lot on you both there. Is, is there any comments from either of you at this point? I could go on, but I think I've outlined a fairly rough picture of, of where I want to go and, and the authority of law of doing so. And by implication, I think uh, uh, you should be able to see the, the potential for some serious horsepower there. Comments, questions? Uh, well, this is David again. Um, uh, with that understanding and and rem being reminded that uh, this is not geographical jurisdictions or or uh, geographical um, you know um, precincts or districts, maybe it is, but um, I don't. I don't. I think I heard you say it wasn't. And we've talked before about how uh, communities can be developed between states, across the state, uh, you know, from one county to the next or whatever. Um, so let's assume that this process is being carried out. How do you see that, uh, you know, in order to accomplish, let's say, a hundred, whatever it was, a hundred thing, um, how do we keep track of it. What's to prevent one family or one a group of people from a double dipping into two different or three different or, or 30 different um, uh, districts or, or precincts and, and uh, you know, and convoluting this whole process? Um, the, uh, each of the, the, the qualified elector certification process requires that, that each head of household be, be well identified as to who he is and where he lives and um, um, 
his credibility as a qualified elector, whether or not he possesses the qualifications of, as an elector. And, and each elector constituent will need to solemnly affirm, based upon their, their honor in the community, that they are not double-dipping in, in, within any other jurisdiction. And, and they will also need to maintain two, at least two witnesses that are sufficiently familiar with their personality to, to, to affirm upon their own good faith and belief that um, uh, uh, the, uh, the, the two witnesses believe that the individual making the assertion is speaking truth and, and, and he's an honorable and qualified elector in the community. Okay. Well, I, I don't expect you to have the whole plan laid out, so I could probably ask questions forever, uh, you know, until we get yeah, to yeah. a point. But th that satisfies me. Thanks. Thank you for asking it. Um, and, and we can go in any of different directions. Uh, uh, there is a couple thoughts in the back of my mind, but um, if our friend from California has any questions, or uh, can you repeat your name again, California? I forgot it. Oh, it's my name's Dean. Yeah, Dean. Just, there we go. Yeah. I'll type it in the chat window. Uh, personally, I spent uh, some time uh, trying to get rid of all the public offices that I was occupying. So, as far as occupying public offices, it, uh, I mean, good luck. I mean, it sounds like a great idea, but um, uh, it. I would be. I would be very careful in that. Uh, it's treason because anybody that you're trying to recruit, they're all going to be uh, United States citizens, right? Like in your de facto community. United States citizens. There is a de jure form of state citizen uh, that uh, is also U.S. citizen. De jure. No, I understand that. What I'm saying is that the public consists of 99.999% of, you know, people in your community. I know people in my community, if I went out on a street corner and people walked by and I said, are you a U.S. citizen? Everybody, just about everybody is going to say yes. Well, that's because uh, uh, you are implying uh, that, that you mean de facto U.S. citizens, and they are presuming that, that you mean de jure U.S. citizens. See, there's a failure to communicate because your proposition doesn't have adequate detail. Every form that most folks, including myself, have filled out, I told them that I'm an American citizen, okay? So like I said, I went to great lengths to undo all those contracts, okay? I'm saying the average person is bound by those contracts, okay? And uh, by in engaging those people, the uh, de facto government could perceive that as treason, and well, not be too you happy see, with it. <laughs> you know what I mean? This, the That's method for deciding who's committing treason is by following due process of law, and, and the de facto's never follow due process of law. 
Well, actually, they do. They do. That's, no, no, no. You don't know due process of law, sir. It's the equivalent of common law. If you're not following the rules of the common law, then you're not following due process of law. Due process is notice and the uh, uh, opportunity to be heard. No, no. It consists of more than that. Due process of law requires a unanimous 12-person jury verdict. Not in a non-jury trial. Yeah, yeah. See, if it's a non-jury trial, then it's not a due process of law trial. It's a summary military trial. You're sure, absolutely. Okay, well, that's the nature of the problem. Because we don't really understand the whole process. Well, let's take advantage of those rules. The Constitution, the Constitution itself, actually makes provisions for admiralty. So why not employ admiralty? Because the Constitution is open up a tar baby that's a pit of hell that'll suck you in. If you don't stick solidly to due process of law, then you're going to have people exercising discretion to suck you into the black hole pit of hell. Uh, that was really vague. I don't understand what you mean by that. Um, David, do you have any comments here? Apparently not. Uh, I uh, I don't have any comments other than uh, two things. One, that uh, in 15 minutes uh, I start another call um, and um, uh, an Internet radio show, and we'll need to be leaving a couple of minutes before that, if nothing else, but to kind of, you know, relieve myself and get something to drink. Um, the other thing is that... Uh, I think that we over and over I get on calls like this and we get caught up in the frickin' minutia and um and we you know whether it's terminology or or you know all this other stuff I think we need to look at the easiest I'm I'm looking at it in two ways one I've got enough evidence with all the stuff I've been doing for the last 15 years to prove that this this they don't follow their own laws, and I, I have concluded whether I'm working at the state level or the uh, or the federal level that these people are none less than domestic terrorists. Uh, that they are not in it for anybody else but themselves, and uh, and I I I've simplified my judgment on them. Of, of being with evidence that these are domestic terrorists that I'm dealing with, and uh, now if I want to continue to deal with them, um, I'm going to you know which I am. I'm I'm completely I'm continuing to go back into their courts and I'm still bashing them and confronting them with my evidence of their domestic terrorism, and I'm recording what it is that they do in response to it. And, uh, and I've run into some, some ways that I can deal with this where I'm not even going into the amendments at all. I'm just sticking with, this, with the central part of this Constitution. And, uh, and I think if we want to get the 99 percenters uh, on board then um, I'm working on a solution I can maybe reveal more about in the in, uh, next week or the possibly the week after. 
Uh, we don't have quite the audience right now on this recording to, uh, to for me to get into it, but it, uh, it simplicity is best, I believe. Agreed. Um, yeah, um, um, you're, 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 fo- you're providing nice focus, David, um, and Dean, um, I'm glad that you joined with us in the conference here. Um, um, I think David's um, um, uh, uh, proposition that we need to avoid getting bogged down in minutia is kind of on point. Um, I'm sorry that uh, it seems that um, uh, you and I have differing philosophies. I guess we can talk about it a while longer here if you feel like we're making progress, but it seems like we might be a little bit philosophically polarized on all this. Um, um, do you have any comments or anything like that, Dean? No, oh, I. Uh, for for me, it's what works, and I've seen what doesn't work, and I've seen what works. So I I tend to. Again, your your philosophy about creating common law courts, yeah, that's been going on for thirty years. Right. If, right. Uh, right. Okay. So again, you're right. The philosophical difference is that I'd rather perceive the uh, reality of what's there than as opposed to try to create something that I have no interest in creating. <laughs> I don't. I have right, no interest right. in you're creating. You're quite satisfied with the de facto administrative commercial process that's been set up, and rather than proceeding according to true law, right? Well, your whatever you believe true law means, I I don't know that that's an undefined term. It, well, you know, see, I've got to says, oh well, if we're going to discuss, you must define your terms. True law is already well defined. Uh, could you define it? Yes, it's a court that proceeds according to what's referred to in the Seventh Amendment as the rules of the common law, which is synonymous with the phrase used in the Fifth Amendment, due process of law. Those proceeding, that, that, that course of step-by-step procedures in due process of law um, and the rules of the common law are a singular process, and that singular process requires the unanimous agreement of 12 people before anything is considered to be done lawfully. Yeah, I guess that makes sense in the public, but it doesn't work that way in the private. Well, see, the private is a political subdivision of the public. Uh, I I don't understand what you mean by that. We're, we're, we're all private citizens, but when we come together, we have the authority to exercise the public jurisdiction. Oh, you mean like Chisholm, Georgia, it says, you know, the sovereignty of the people rests in the people. Right, right. Okay. And, then, and and the next sentence, of course, is more or less paraphrasing that uh, and that sovereignty is exercised through government. It's not exercised at the end of the government that people create. Yeah, through the government exactly. that the people create. Yep, exactly. Okay, well, well, it was a private jurisdiction that created all of the 
the, the forms of civil and municipal governments for us, and we the people didn't come together in proper common law fashion to to convert those forms of government uh, to common law jurisdiction. We're stuck under a private Roman civil municipal law. Mm, well, okay. Just to make a distinction, private, when I refer to the private, I mean private law. Uh, as as opposed to public law, uh, public law is a law that basically deals with the relationship of government and people. And well, if, you, law, if you mm-hmm. if you commit a common law crime, you will be prosecuted under public common law due process. Right, a criminal. Right, if you commit a criminal something that's criminal, as opposed to uh, the way that most states have their penal law set up. Right, right, right. Okay, so, for example, uh, under penal law, I guess if you, I don't know, didn't dispose of trash properly, like say you were burning something in your backyard, right? Well, under most states' penal law, that would be a misdemeanor, right, under their environmental law. I know that's how it is. Uh, you, you, you meant I'm actually in New York State. I believe TalkShoe interprets my Skype connection as California. You but showing anyway. up in the chat window as California? Yeah, I don't see a chat window. I'm just on the phone here. Okay. It's not near a computer. I just dial in and then I have a headless set that I can go into other parts of the house. Okay. But anyway... Too much information for you guys. My point was about the law that governs uh, uh, the relationships between private people. It's like, you know, private law, like if we entered into a contract, that's going to be governed by contract law, which is private law, right? As opposed to laws that the government uses, like the Constitution, which has to do with their relationship with people. Like when you say, like, you know, Article 6, you know, right? You're saying that this is the agreement that we have with government. These are the rules that we're using. We don't have agreements with government. Um, If I might complete my thought, Um, what has happened there is a private group of, of people decided to establish a Roman civil law jurisdiction uh, a civil municipal form of government because it, it, it serves their commercial interests more effectively. They have no interest in establishing common law jurisdiction for the national government. It, well, it there, there is there is there is common law. I, I, just because they, they, there's a different the, the, the Article Three refers to the the court system of the federal government has jurisdictions in cases at law. Are you familiar with that passage, Dean? Uh, I'm sorry. Could you repeat that? There was, there was a little... Article 3 of the U.S. Constitution says that the U.S. judicial system has uh, a jurisdiction in cases at law. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That, that's different than a case in law. See, see, they are Roman civil. Their entire court system is Roman civil municipal jurisdiction, and they can come up to the, the well, boundary there's line two, of distinction. They, they, 
like I was saying before, there's Article 1 and there's Article 3. There's more. There's also Seventh Amendment uh, jurisdictions and Sixth Amendment jurisdictions in the individual people in the 200,000 precincts all across the nation. That's neither Article 1 nor Article 3. Article 1 and Article 3 are all tools of the Roman civil government. The process referred to in the Sixth and Seventh Amendment is, is the common law jurisdictions of the people. Which is okay. in law rather than at law is a higher jurisdiction. Okay, yeah, you're when you uh, when you say Roman civil law, I, I'm not really sure what you mean by that. Well, if you know anything about civil law, uh, no, I understand history. what Roman civil law is, but I don't understand how you you when you say in context of the government, what is Roman civil law in context? Of the government. Well, virtually all state and national forms of government are designed and, and brought forth under Roman civil law. They're not common law forms of government. Okay. My understanding is that we have a bicameral system. Yeah, that's Roman state civil law. State, Senator Federal, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Constitution law, under Article law, right, 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 under Article One it says, "Hey, you know, here's the Congress. Hey, Article Two, you know, right? Here's the President, right? right Article right. Three, here's the courts, <laughs> right? Right. And then right. whatever, four through seven, right? Okay, so yeah, that's the government. Is is that what you wanted to change? Yeah, that's what I want to change." Oh, okay. That makes sense. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Yep. Right. Okay. To to what? To appear common law jurisdiction. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They got rid of that. There was a reason that um, that the courts moved over to equity because the common law was rather cruel. Well, no, it wasn't. Not not in its pure form. It, but it's hardly ever been practiced in its pure form. There was only one it. punishment. There's really one punishment in the common law. It's death. That's it. Well, the, common, the jury decides the punishment under common law, and they can decide any damn thing they want. Well, in the strict form of common law, it's sort of like if you... Uh, like the Hammurabi Code. It, 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 there's a code there. It says, all right, it, in the Bible, it says the same thing. You take an eye, you're going to lose an eye. Right? It, right? You take a life, you're going to lose your life. Right? Well, what, what, that, what that's comes the code you're referring Bible, to, right? So if you what steal, comes to us from the Bible is, is, has, has, has been obscured. A, a, a clearer picture of what's really going on comes to us from our ancient understanding of what common law is really all about. And thereunder, unanimous 12-person juries decided everything, and they did so based upon their conscience as to what was right before God. And it takes a lot of work to get 12 people to agree on anything, and when you unanimously have 12 people agreeing on something, it's probably a pretty fair decision. Like I always thought common law was actually 25. You, you, you thought wrong. 
you, you're thinking of the so-called grand jury promise. Uh, 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 process. No, not grand jury. Bill, you know Bill Thornton. I do Bill know Bill Thornton. Thornton. He's a big common law guy, and essentially his uh, – uh, my understanding of what Bill Thornton teaches is that the reason you have 25 is because one person in 25 would represent 4%. So that if you had, even even if you had four percent disagree, you know if you're you're not quite with the uh, the Indian thing where the whole community has to agree. But you know if four percent in in a representative uh, form of government disagrees with something, then yeah, okay, then that that should be not forced on the other ninety six percent. Now when you go to twelve. What you're really saying is that 8%, you're just using a larger number of the people, I mean, mathematically, you know what I'm saying? Does that make sense to you? Because now if one person disagrees, they're representative of about 8%, right? Law is not a popularity contest. Well, it's... What you're actually saying is, is, because getting 12 people to agree on something would be... The as long as everyone agrees on it, then they say chop his head off or whatever. Or you're not going to get right? twelve people to agree to to chop a guy's head off unless he did something really, really, really super fucking nasty that deserved to have his head chopped off. Yeah, right, right. Okay, Absolutely. well at that point we can rely on the jury, and we don't need to get all statutory on this shit. Well, no, what I'm saying is that, that uh, you're confusing me with your terms because my understanding of common law and a common law jury is that the jury determines the law and the facts. Right, that means they've got discretion to do anything that they can unanimously agree on. Right, whereas in the courts, the administrative courts in our system, essentially the jury is determining the facts and the judge or magistrate determines the law. Well, I dare say at that point the jury is so dysfunctional that it's no longer recognizable as a true common law jury. It's just an administrative tribunal. We mean if they're just if they're just uh, charged with being triers of the fact. Yeah, yeah, they shouldn't. The, the, the true common law due process requires that they also adjudicate what is proper law to apply in the case. Well, I would agree with you in a educated public. But since the public is not really educated, then really what you get is just like lynch mobs or people that just uh, condone really bad behavior of people. Like what's going on in our system right now. In other words, um, the the average jury is going to side, you know, with government in most cases because they you know well, you're like talking example, about the problem you're talking about the problem I'd rather talk about the solution well if the, the solution, solution is found within jury... ancient common law wherein uh, both parties the accuser and the accused have have open process to try to assemble their own 12 people that are concerned about justice in the case they can't judge it themselves, but they can have friends come into the courtroom, and it's difficult to get 12 people together. Neither one of them, uh, are, unless they're really righteous, 
is probably going to be able to gather 12. And the first one that can gather 12, and um, uh, they're all unanimous that that, that uh, whoever else the, the opposing party is gathering is, is not a qualified elector. They're just floating bogus arguments to try to uh, defend their own corrupted views. Then the 12 that has assembled and is establishing clearly on the record the basis in law for why they are exercising their jurisdiction, then that spontaneously formed jury of 12 can lawfully adjudicate the truth of the matter before them. Yeah, so if I understand what you're saying, it's that uh, 12 people empowered to judge, to be the triers of the law and the facts. Well, that, and it can move more quick and fluidly than what I think you're comprehending here. There's an in, there's a concept in common law called compurgators, C-O-M-P-U-R-G-A-T-O-R-S. It's based upon the word purge, and that has to do with the, the qualifications of the lector's jurist moving in and out. And and when when um, either the accused or the accuser uh, brings forth twelve people that that are of good reputation in the community, and those twelve people adjudicate uh, uh, a complaint. Um, um, uh, based upon the evidence, after hearing arguments from both sides, or at least opportunity to present the case, um, uh, and they adjudicate it, then then that is within the protected parameters of the Seventh Amendment, which says, paraphrased, no track, no fact tried by a jury shall be reexamined in any court of the United States, other than according to the rules of the common law. So that raises the bar up to where the point where we've put together a jury that has has lawfully adjudicated this matter and it cannot be challenged except by another jury and no, and, and, and and unless somebody's got a really righteous complaint uh against the first jury then that juror that that the, the first jury verdict is probably going to stand because it's very difficult to get 12 people to agree on anything and the first party to do it is probably in the right yeah, no, nice. I mean, it, great, great. I, you know, can't say I disagree with your theory. Thank you. I'm just saying that from my point of view, I don't see it happening in anybody's lifetime. <laughs> well, it, it is. A I know what's, I know what's out there, and I know how to. Uh, uh, I'm learning how to navigate um, with the existing uh, beast. You know. And as far as, you know, trying to create, like, for example, how large is your organization? I, my first time listening to you guys. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you um, um, tuned us in. Uh, and and I, I did I used it to better be with when. NLA, I, but again, huh? I, I, like I said, I, I, I used to uh, participate with uh, National Liberty Alliance. Yeah. And, you know, John is just uh, my take on John is that he has sincere interests at heart and that once you create an organization that just trying to keep an organization running and I'll give you like an example uh, the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws more commonly known as Normal right? right. right? Weren't they uh, organized sometime in the 60s? I don't know. Let's not digress. Get to your main point, please. Right. right. But, well, my point is that as an organization, their their purpose, and, and I know this from having run a nonprofit organization, 
Your purpose isn't to cure the problem. Your purpose is just to secure funding each year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And do you know about COINTELPRO? Well, I understand, yes, what COINTELPRO is, yep. Do you understand that if, if we the people start, really start exercising the proper legitimate judicial power, that the entire house of cards of the Babylonian horror evil empire is going to collapse? Oh, yeah, absolutely. 100%. Okay, to, to build thereon further, do you understand that they've got an infinite supply of money and that they, they are lavishly uh, 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 financing people that are Judas goats to, to deceive us away from where our real horsepower of solutions are at? You mean propaganda? Yeah, I'm more than yeah, aware of propaganda. That's what all the major networks and that's what all the movies and that's what all the... Okay, well, I believe John Garish is, is, is firmly within that category. Well, he professes to be a devout Christian, and you know everybody is going to profess that manner. I'm speaking from my own experience. Is what I'm saying. I'm speaking from my own experience as having been a director of a uh, uh, mid-sized nonprofit organization. I understood very clearly what the goal of the organization was: secure funding. That's what my job was. Well, right. that, but the standard Right, that's what John's all about. You know, his five dollars a month. You know, he's got so many thousand members. He generates about fifteen thousand a, a month, and that allows him to do all of the uh, advocacy work that he chooses to do. Yeah, and yeah, and there's still no remedy on a significant level for any of the yeah, people. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. He's been three years, and he hasn't had a win. That's why I walked from them. Yeah, yeah, it's a form of intellectual masturbation at best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I w- wanted to see actual remedy that worked. Actually, that worked. Yeah, someone can tell yeah. me, hey, you did yeah. this, and it was successful, and it, like the scientific method. And if yeah. I replicate this, I will be successful? Sure, okay, I'll yeah, find yeah. out. And there's, there's only two explanations for why John is pursuing such a dysfunctional strategy. Number one is that he's stupid. Okay, he might just be stupid, but I don't think he's that stupid. Huh? It could be self. I think it's self-serving. There's only two explanations. Either he's stupid or he's malicious. Hmm. Well, I don't think he's stupid. I don't, I don't think he's malicious. Well, I agree with that. I mean, I mean, that's like a. I think. That, you know, like I said, that if you've run an organization, okay, and you've got employees, okay, people that work there and depend on you, then your higher priority is to bring in, your main, your, your number one focus is to bring in um, funding for the organization to, you know, take care of your in-house things. That's, well, that at, at that point... That, that that doesn't address stupidity versus malicious issue because because when he makes the decision to to prioritize the fundraising over the the stated goals of securing justice for the people, then he's deceiving his clientele because he's not really his first priority is no longer bringing justice to his constituents. He's deceiving his constituents, and his first priority is to raise money to keep his machinery going. Mm. I always looked at it in terms of the of a <clears throat> uh, captain of a ship metaphor. 
um, as captain of the ship, uh, it's my, it was my obligation or my duty to be responsible to ensure the safety of everyone on board. Okay, so um, if if the ship was leaking, okay, then that was my priority to ensure the safety of the people and to take a course, you know, to avoid storms, et cetera, et cetera. You know, that's your priority when you're a captain. You're you're responsible for people. Your, your now, first, your now, first you priority have, is to see the good the people. Well, you, again, in, in terms of getting the goods, why? Because you have to get your goods and your people to their destination safely. See, see, see. And securely. You've got much more right? tolerance for diverting from the stated goals than I do. When, when people in positions of leadership divert from their stated goals in order to keep fuel in their tank and to finance their machinery, then they're no longer qualified to be leaders in my book. But, but he, in a sense, they, uh, if you look at their stated goals, he, they fulfill their stated goals because what he's doing, if, uh, I, I, I tune in every once in a while, and essentially he's using the same process. He's sending letters out to judges and sheriffs. And that's that's <laughs> ineffective know. process. It's a oh, absolutely. I agree. I agree. It's absolutely ineffective. But okay, well, at that point, either he's stupid or he's, he's part of a COINTELPRO operation designed to mislead the people. Well, again, I, perhaps. I don't know that to be a fact, but I do know that. I, I do. There's only he's two options. I agree that he's ineffective, absolutely. Well, well, there's a reason behind why he's ineffective. And if and we I don't also, have the option of him being stupid, then then that means that he knows what he's doing, and he doesn't give a darn about the common people. Well, I think that what my experience with that organization was that uh, a lot of good people would come in and offer a solid uh, remedy, and they would ignore these people and then sort of shun them and then um, kind of banned them from the group. And that's when, when I saw that behavior happening in the in that organization, where it was sort of like a uh, us or them, and you know everybody's out to get us. That's kind of like okay, they're just chasing their tail. You know, again, I always thought them as nice people. You know, and and I have my own uh, perhaps anecdotal, but my own first-hand knowledge, I have a, a good friend who was going through a, uh, a court issue, and he sent John Durash, just like the website said, send me $60, and we'll do paperwork for you. And uh, he sent, sent John 60 bucks, and he never got anything, not even a reply. And he, tried to, he followed up several times. They didn't even answer him. Took his money, though. Yeah, you think that's funny? No, it's indicative of the character of the organization. Yeah, maliciousness, right? Right, and and, and I don't know if you've ever seen the movie uh, A Bronx Tale. There's a scene in there where the young boy is talking to the older uh, uh, crime boss, and uh, he sees he notices another uh, young guy going across down the street, and he goes, "Hey, that guy owes me twenty dollars, right?" And, he, and the young boy was going to go run after this other guy to, you know, chase his twenty dollars. And the guy said, "Hey, don't worry about it. Now, for twenty dollars, you learned what type of character that person has." And I, I kind of, you know, I don't use it as a guiding principle, but when you see that types of things in people's character, then 
you you know what type of person you know they're not an honorable person. Yeah, they don't have the qualifications of an elector in a common law jurisdiction. Well, I wouldn't do business with them. Yeah, that's because they're dishonorable and they don't have the qualifications necessary for a person that's a member of the political community that you're working with. But what would be the qualifications? Like, for example, I mean, at at the uh, uh, beginning of the founding of this country, the main requisite was to be a property owner in white. Well, I mean, do you, that, do you that ever was think under their a, is it to be a property owner in white? That would, they were not enlightened in their definitions of, of qualifications of electors at that time. It's more spiritual. If if you understand what Christianity is supposed to be all about, it's it's more based upon the spirituality of, of the person, whether or not he's an honorable person and he's concerned about truth and justice and the common people. That's the necessary ingredients for a common uh, qualified elector. And if he pays his bills, if he owes you $20 and he's not making good faith efforts to, to pay it back, then he's not a qualified elector. Are you going to banish people? Yeah, what do you do with all the people that don't meet the. What happens to the people that uh, don't meet those qualifications? So they're not. Well, they, they, they need to either do penance and get off their dead ass and start paying back their bills that they promised that they would pay, or else just learn to live without uh, as being an outlaw. You mean the common law committing common law crimes? The people that commit common law crimes, right? And what I mean by common law crimes, I mean uh, damage to property, uh, uh, reneging But you can be an outlaw without having committed a crime. If you don't have a common law jurisdiction, jural society that you're a member of, then, then you're outside of the protections of any lawful community. Not uh, you. You mean if that isn't in place, then you don't have any protections at all? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, you you have no protections in law. You might have some uh, privileges from the people that like administrative commercial process, um, but you don't have any lawful protections. You have no peace officer that can arrest anybody that's that, that's messing with you. That's isn't that what the society we live in kind of does? No, in, the society well, we live no, wait, in. Wait, 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 no, no, I was only halfway through. They enforce the common law crimes, but then they blur the commercial or civil stuff with the actual criminal stuff, and and that's what I have an issue with. Okay, well, I, I agree with the last part of your statement, but your opening statement was that they enforce common law crimes, and the last part of your statement made the first part of your statement uh, uh, null and void, because if, 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 if they're merging in administrative commercial gobbledygook, then what they're, they're doing is not enforcing common law, because common law don't allow for those adulterations to come in. Common law, again, as I understand it, and correct me if your definition is different, is damage to property, damage to life, or breach of a contract. Um, I differ. What else is there? 
Well, it's not else. It's that you've already adulterated through contract. You're dragging in contracts. You're causing confusion. Okay, so what's your definition? My definition at its most simple level is a common law breach of the peace. Um, there's concepts of, um, of, of actus reus and corpus delecti and mens rea. Um, in that order, it requires a specific physical act, like mm-hmm. a trespass. No, I understand what you're saying. Sure, absolutely. Okay. Right. And, that's and a corpus delecti is a, a body yep. harmed, a natural flesh and blood person that actually... That's common. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And, and, and he had... And he has to be shown to have been acting with maliciousness. If you just dropped a hammer off a roof mm-hmm. accidentally and it hit somebody, that's not malicious. Will willful intent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And right, the other elements are, are are unanimity of the jury and and the jury numbers twelve. Right. Well, I mean, I see those elements in what's actually out there right right now. Well, it's very rarely, probably less than 1% of the people in modern-day federal and state prisons are are in there as a result of proper legitimate convictions of the five elements that I just mentioned. Um, I don't understand how you base that on. Well, is it probably the most where do you glaring? get that one where do you get that one percent well look at the drug war you that that knocks fifty sixty seventy percent uh, out of the prison system right there because there's no malicious intent in most of the people that are in prison as a result of drug incarceration convictions yeah, I'm just talking from my own experience here right well, I mean do I, you know I, the yeah. difference between malum prohibitum and malum in say? Yeah, sure, of course. Okay, well, most of the most of the people in modern day prisons are there for malum prohibitum offenses, and malum prohibitum isn't allowed under common law due process. Uh, that's what I disagree with. I don't think most. Uh, I, I think that there's a large percentage of people in jails, and I've met a lot of these people that that harm people. And actually, uh, but if people. they harm somebody, they can be convicted harm for something other than a drug crime. Yeah, yeah, that was my experience. Well, that well was, that's that what they should be prosecuted for is for, for for harming people. They shouldn't be right. there uh, because they got railroaded on a drug crime. I agree. I agree. But I'm just saying from my own anecdotal ex- personal experience, uh, it would be more like uh, 30, 70. Thirty percent of the people harm property or people, and seventy uh, percent of them just been railroaded on those, uh, you know, malaprohibita type crimes like drug wars or child support or that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think you're high, but uh, uh, I, I guess um, from my from my own personal experience, actually having spent time in a jail. <laughs> Well, I know there's some... Not that I'm proud of, I'm not people. proud of that. I'm just saying, you know, like I'll just give you, a, uh, you know, just a story, you know. I, I, This actually happened to me. I was standing, when I was in jail, I had this young guy come up to a group of us and say, hey, Bob, aren't you getting out of jail tomorrow? 
well, I'll give you $150 to go kill this person because they're a witness in my trial. And I'm like, yeah, this this is the type of people that need to be in jail. <laughs> Not too bright to begin with, but there are, I mean, again, our society has a lot of people like that, probably a lot more than you might be aware of. I don't, I don't know what environment you're in, but I just know in the small rural community that I'm in, yeah, there's a lot of people here that go out and steal and break into houses and hurt people and, you know, those types of crimes. And I think that, yeah, I mean, what else can you do to society but, you know, protect the rest of us from these people? Yeah. So I totally agree with you right there. Yeah. But, well, but, see, that would be yeah, true if we had... Uh, the commercial stuff, yeah, that's all just, you know, that's all because uh, you understand that um, there is no money, right? I mean, no, what functions as money is 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 perverted. It's, it's not lawful money. Right, correct. There is no. So you agree? So we agree. There is no money, right? Well. I define money as anything that uh, um, uh, facilitates commercial transactions, and and we do have a form of money there, um, but it's not it's not legitimate honorable money. It's designed to uh, skim profits for a parasite class. Right, because uh, you know, you, you you know the answer to what is money. You know, what is money in our society, right? I, I, I find the question ambiguous. I, I think I defined it already as anything that facilitates commercial transactions. Right, right. That's a definition of money. But what our society uses here in the United States, it's debt, right? You know that. Yeah, yeah, I know that. Money well, is it, debt. Reported debt. They they, they 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 consider you and me to be debtors when we should actually be creditors. Well, I'm not in that category anymore. I was, but I I, I did actually change my status. Well, that you're ahead of me there, but I, I know the basic quandary that we're looking at there, and I know that the corrupted judicial system routinely presumes that a lot of people are debtors when actually they're creditors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, right, absolutely, but... The presumption, like that's where that whole Fourteenth Amendment comes in, because then Fourteenth Amendment says you can't question the debt, right? Well, yeah, and that's an unlawful amendment, right? So when the government comes at you with uh, taxes or a speeding ticket or uh, whatever, okay, then they're telling you that you can't question that, right? Well. That's why they. That would those. seem to be implied. I, I I know the train of thought that you're following. I'm kind of fuzzy on whether or not we can question it or not. Well, if you're uh, an American citizen, right, then you can't, or else you're in violation. You're committing treason against the Constitution. Well, you're talking you, about Fourteenth Amendment slaves, right? Yep, absolutely. Okay. Well. They can't we're, question it. Uh, the, 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 the de facto's are constantly presuming that we're all Fourteenth Amendment slaves when we're not. Correct. Right. 
And so our problem isn't with the fact that multitudes of us are 14th Amendment slaves. Our problem is with the corrupted judicial officers that are silently and maliciously presuming that we're 14th Amendment slaves. Well, I agree that it's through trickery and fraud and deception, okay, but most people have made the affiliation of being United States citizens, even if they don't understand that that means a 14th Amendment citizen, that you're now obligated because uh, you have derived, uh, uh, what are they, uh, what's the term, um, benefits or um, you get protection. I guess the, the term I really was looking for, now that you uh, accept, you get protection from the government, you owe them your allegiance. That's the basic governmental equation there, right? For their protection. Yeah, and that presumption is 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 equally valid in common law. Um, see, when when ten he- uh, heads of household come together to elect their own town constable from their own ranks, then then they have to agree to do whatever their self-elected town constable tells them to do. Sure, I know. I I understand and have you know firsthand knowledge of the Amish model. And that's essentially what they do. That's their system, and it seems to work quite well for them and has worked for 400 years in this country or however long they've been here. That's what the Amish do. The Amish you know, link there, that sounds really valuable. Um, you know what, no, you know what's funny? Go ahead. You know what, one of the, we, one of the, uh, the gripes of, from some of the younger uh, married men, you know, because they're trying to build a household and so forth, is that... Uh, well, they, they call us the English, and they said, well, you English uh, only have to pay uh, taxes to the government, whereas we have to pay taxes to uh, the government, and we also have to pay the Amish tax, which is 10%. So Tithing donation, right? Yeah, yeah, yes, and it works quite well. I, I believe it really works quite well because they're a nice, tight-knit little community, and they're all supportive of each other, and... Uh, you know they're uh, generally um, very honorable people. Only you gotta keep a close eye on them when you're doing business with them because you know they're a little opportunistic. <laughs> but the, I, but we, we can deal with that. If I might expand on how my system would, the system that I advocate would plug into that would be that that the, the the tithing donations that the Amish community or any other community is gathering, they should gather all that is, is necessary to pay all higher levels of jurisdiction. And so the local Amish community should pay uh, uh, the local precinct captain. In fact, the, the local Amish community should probably establish their own purely Amish community. And, and, and then... Um, That's what um, they have. Uh, huh? That's what they have. Okay, well, at, at that point, they they've got their, parish. Well, at that point they've got their own judicial power, and and, mm-hmm. and yep. they can declare federal IRS tax liens to be null and void, as well as state tax liens, and and they can pass on up 
to the the county and state and and, and federal de facto's the money that they have gathered from their local community within their precinct for all of the people that are within their precinct and declare all the people within their precinct outside the jurisdiction and here's the money for these people that that, that we feel that we need and is justified in paying to the more centrally planned treasuries of of the county and the state and the federalities. Yeah, that that would probably be very helpful for them because unfortunately right now what happens is that they pay all the local city uh Yeah, they pay twice. County, right? yeah, and plus plus the 10%. And unfortunately what actually happens is that <clears throat> that 10% because they're more or less restricted by the you know, their 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 the Bible uh is that it's never it's not enough money to provide help for the people. And there's a lot of Amish people that actually have to get governmental benefits to exist. You know, yeah, well, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate, but I mean, they do they do try. Like in this area, they have what's called the uh, the Amish relief auction. And me, and my wife, we go every year, and you know they have an auction, and all that money is is used to help uh, defray the uh, medical expenses for the community because they have a lot of children and they you know it's expensive to have children so yeah. you know they always end up in medical debt which is uh, unfortunate for you know <laughs> but anyway that's the Amish story that's why a lot of times when I when people have this perception of Amish but when you really get to know Amish people it's like would would you think that the average Amish person would be Standing or going to Walmart, buying, you know, Coke and Pepsi and potato chips and all sorts of junk food and uh, be standing there talking on a cell phone while they're using their debit card. You ever see that? Most most people don't think that's what Amish people, but that's what Amish people are. Uh, That's how, you know, they're not these people that, you know, are completely removed from society, right? Like they have a, they don't use tractors and they don't drive automobiles, right? But you see Amish using uh, us or the English, right? Uh, to they, they use them as taxis. So the Amish are always driving around in cars. That's when I first saw that, I was like, why are Amish people in cars? And they explained to me that, oh yeah, well, most people, if they want to go to Walmart or whatever, whatever, you know, it's 20 miles. You're not going to take your your cart. You can only go about 12 miles, you know, in one of those uh, horse-drawn carts. So you just get some guy in the neighborhood to drive you over there and you give him 25 bucks. You go there and use your debit card. Isn't that interesting? I know. Just uh, funny facts about the Amish. I'm glad you're sharing that. That is valuable insight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They uh right so so um I guess what I can gather from that is that so even in people that are have their own restricted uh, society within a society still have to interact in commerce with the big satan, you know. Unfortunately, right? You, right? I know, I know. I guess no one likes it. It's just like uh I'm trying to give credit where credit is due. Uh, 
that Visa, um, if you look at Visa, VI was right Roman, and the S was Greek, and the A was Babylon, Babylonian. So in terms of the usage of Visa, you can always think of it as that that's and and it's six 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 because right the vi in roman is six the s in greek was six and the a represented six so they the the guys that are running the show they understand how to control people's uh icons and beliefs you know right who would have known that Using Visa was uh, using the uh, mark of the beast. <laughs> uh, but what are you going to do? I mean, I don't, I don't know. Do you, um, I know that when I first came into this uh, patriot movement, for lack of a better word, uh, I came in through um, L.B. Bork. Yeah, I know L.B. Yeah, like yeah, great, great guy. Great guy. I, have you heard from him recently? How's he doing? No, I haven't. I was wondering how he was doing. Yeah, well, the last I heard was not all that well because he absolutely refused to engage in any type of commerce. Which you know, And I've seen pe- people in this way in the Patriot movement. You know, they get, want to get rid of all their insurance, their license, their blah, blah, blah. And they're, they're, you know, I had it. I just recently had a almost uh, slap a good friend of mine to to get him out of this dilute what I believe to be delusional behavior, because he, he, he told me he said, oh, I'm, you know, I got um, evicted from my house, and you know, I'm having a hard time with money and my job and et cetera, et cetera. And I said, well, what's going on? And he's like, well, I can't drive my van back and forth to work. And I said, well, why not? He goes, oh, well, I don't want to get it registered. <laughs> and I said, uh, uh, okay, so you're not going to make $75,000 a year as a union carpenter, and you're going to live in your van as opposed to get a license, get your van on the road, get a job, it, you know, you know what I'm saying. In yeah. certain, in certain practical ways, it just doesn't make sense to beat your head against that horse. And I, and I kind of told him, I said, "Hey, why don't you start with a bootstrap, which would be get yourself, you know, in your own home with money in the bank and not being harassed by law enforcement until you can get yourself in a strong position to be able to defend yourself." In other words, don't try to defend yourself from a weak position. Well, I don't think you're addressing his fundamental concern, and I think there is an answer to his fundamental concern. How do you not get harassed when you're driving around? On... And again, I know driving commercial terms. He's got a problem with the strategy. I, I agree with you that his strategy is less than optimal, but your proposed solution I don't think is optimal either. Well, do you um, have do you comply with the, the motor vehicle laws yourself personally? I know I do. Um, um, they're not laws; they're statutory enactments. Right. Um, or the uh, <clears throat> did did I choose? 
to trade my rights, my unalienable rights for privileges with the state in order to obtain limited liability? I sure did. No, you didn't. And neither did the guy that's driving in the van. And if he and, and, and if I'm he would sorry? think about, if I might finish a proposition here, um, uh, the, the 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 guy that's stuck in his van because he refuses to get um, uh, 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 have a driver's license is laboring under the illusion that the de facto government is the final arbitrators of whether or not he's compromised his sovereign status before God, and he's so paranoid about not offending God that that that, that he chooses to live in his van rather than risk offending God. No, it's more like he's been thrown in jail for driving under a suspended license and he doesn't want to go back to jail. He's destroying his whole ability to make uh, uh, economic resources for himself and his whole right. work. Um, um, uh, because of, 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 of a misinterpretation of, of who is the supreme judge in the universe here. Well, no, it's a I, I perceive it as a as a practical thing. In other words, yes, you have the higher moral ground, where yes, you we do have the free right to go from point A to point B to travel unencumbered by governmental intrusion in our private capacity to use the public right of ways. Okay, yeah, I, I absolutely agree, but in actual practice go on the road and you're get stopped, they're just gonna get you know, they're just gonna give you problems. So, we agree with that. We agree with that. Yeah, yeah, right? Because I've gone yeah. through, and it's like it's not worth it's not worth the aggravation to battle with these motherfuckers. Well, see, see, the problem is it, with your fellow that's living in the van. He doesn't comp- He's given too much credibility to the judicial decision making process of the de factos. If he knew that, that that they aren't the supreme arbitrators of whether or not he's compromised his principles, God is. And, and, and what they're presuming when you get a driver's license is an unlawful presumption because there has been no uh, full information that when you sign on the dotted line for a driver's license or anything else that that, that there's no indication on that document that, that uh, uh, you're contracting to become a 14th Amendment slave. Well, so there's lack of full disclosure, uh, yeah, and, sure, it, and it's an invalid contract, and yeah. it constitutes unjust enrichment for the parasite class. There's a multitude of legal defenses against uh, the presumption that they're 14th Amendment slaves, and the guy living in the van apparently doesn't comprehend that, and, and, and the, the, the diplomatic Christian way of uh, addressing that issue for him, that preach ministering to him about that, would be to tell him that... that by merely getting a driver's license, you're not compromising your 14th Amendment citizenship, uh, uh, even though the corrupted judges uh, uh, will silently presume that you are a 14th Amendment slave. But they're not the final arbitrators. And, and if and when we ever get our common law courts established, we will take the power back and reestablish right. God's kingdom on this earth. Right. So, like, you have a driver's license, right? No, I don't. You don't? No, but I got plates on the car, and I buy insurance. And I sneak around. How would you get insurance without a driver's license? I got a nonprofit organization with other people that do have licenses. He said he sneaks around. 
Well, no, I know exactly what you're talking about, dude. Because I've I've done similar things. You, you got to do what you got to do to survive to live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a system. You, I know exactly it's, it's a, what you're talking about. I'm not, I'm not I'm not chucking you in any way, shape, or form. I understand. And you, you've been for the past couple of days that I've heard you on a couple of these calls, different different um, talk show groups. You've been posting a lot of great information. And I just sit back and I marvel at a lot of stuff. I'm taking notes, dude. But I know what you're talking about. You, you know, you got to skulk around and stuff. You get insurance because I, several years I was doing the uh, what we call some of us call the ghost plate. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you may have an idea what this is. But as long as as long as you don't act the fool, you know, and drive around, oh, I can. I don't have to have my card registered, and I don't need this, so I can drive 150 miles an hour on a highway and 100 miles an hour through a school zone, and have uh, some machine gun in the back of my seat and smoke weed <laughs> and drink at the same time. And my car doesn't have to be in in any type of decent, you know, decent shape and stuff. You know, I can do whatever I want. See, this is what a lot of people don't understand. But what you're saying, I, I, I'm like I said, man. I'm, Mashallah, man, you, you you've been making a lot of correct points, man. I I appreciate where you all the information you're giving. <laughs> I understand what you say. You sneak around. You got to do what you got to do. You know, you're not breaking any laws. You're not hurting anybody. You just got to do probably what you got to do to survive. Anyway, Thank you, Pennsylvania. Yeah, that's my my two cents. In. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, yeah, Dean, you got any comment on all that? Well, here in New York, we actually have uh, roadblocks. So, in your case, if you kept your uh, car or your personal conveyance registered, right, with all the proper decals on it, then as long as you weren't doing anything visible that they could see, then you'd be okay without a driver's license here in New York for the most part. But if at one of these arbitrary road stops, because essentially what they're looking for is uh, here in New York, we... Well, what part cannot... of New York are you talking about? Because I'm from Brooklyn, New York. And I've seen oh, these, I... um, these stop plates, places, you know, um, for like 20 years now. And then yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, uh, they call it MAD, M-A-D-D. Mothers against drunk drivers. No, 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 no. They're not that. They're not that one. That's a different form. Okay. Here, okay. In this county, I'm out in uh, Western, so I'm closer to Erie. Okay, so you're, you're like you're you're you're, 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 you're like throwing toward like Buffalo up there somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Right, okay. just south of Buffalo. So you, yeah. you 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 throw a rock across the river and you hit a canoe across the forehead. Well, yeah. It's, <laughs> you well, know what I'm saying? Because you're well, close to Canada, you know. We're on uh, Indian land. This is all Indian land. This was all... Uh, no, no, but I, what I'm saying, if you go a little farther north, you're, yeah. you're, you're border on, on Canada, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I go, go up there a couple times a year. Niagara Falls, go across the bridge. Freedom Bridge, or whatever. So they but, have yeah. a different set of things that they, they stop you. But, but if you're in, if you're in your New York... Fourth Amendment protection or rights. Protection. You, got the, you got the same thing on your car, right? On the outside, you got the inspection sticker and you got the registration, right? The sticker on your windshield. Yeah. 
right? Okay, so they do have these roadblocks that you roll up to it, and they look at these stickers, okay? So if your inspection sticker's out or your registration's out, they wave you over to the side, and that's where they try to, you know. That's what they did. That's exactly. That's where they try to bamboozle you. Yeah, you, you ain't, exactly. I ain't going over to that side, man. I ain't going over there. Right, but if you got your, if your stickers are good, they got no reason to stop you. They got to wave you through unless they see something like you're not wearing a seatbelt. Then they'll they'll point you over. Or uh, you got children in the car. You know they're not in the seat. They see something. You know. Or you're oh, whatever smoking out of a crack pipe, you know. Yeah, you got your kids but that's like not what Jamaican smoking weed. Yeah, but that's not what they're stopping you. Yeah, because uh, the uh, the I guess the the constitutional thing is uh, the Prowse Delaware, right? Where it's constitutional if they want to stop for safety and to ensure that the you know you got the right inspection sticker and your car's uh, registered and insured. It's all bogus, man. It's all bogus. Hey. All they're, oh, they're, absolutely. All, all they're doing is. It's like a, like what they're doing is basically like racial profiling. Yeah, I remember years that. ago, listen, when I was a teenager, right, years ago, one of my family members, an in-law, he was coming from his church, right, and it was a Sunday afternoon, about 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and he went to one of these stops, so they do the, 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 the you know, the, the check, and the checkpoint, I call it Checkpoint Charlie, you know, because I, I was raised, you know, I was yeah, raised yeah. watching them, them, um, World War Two movies and stuff. So now the guy, he's he's in a suit and tie. He's coming from a synagogue, you know, and he has the book, the Holy Scriptures, on his windshield. So then he pulls over and he starts pulling out his driver's license. And the cop says, he he looks he looks at the Bible and he says, he tells him, dude, you don't even gotta show me nothing, man. Just go. You don't gotta right. show me nothing, man. Just go. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about the DWI ones, but they won't even have you crack a window here. You know, they just look, they just eyeball those stickers and wave you through. Yeah. So it's how how far are you, how far is your county from um, from from like Manhattan and like 600. New York City proper? So I think it's like four eighty to five sixty miles. That's like driving yeah. from here to um, um, Michigan. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, you know Albany, right? Because you're probably yeah, two I hours cut, from. Yeah, I cut through hours. it a couple of times, and I hate it up there, man. Yeah, it takes me five hours to get to Albany. <laughs> so it'd be about five hours probably to New York. I used to, I used to have friends. No, from the, Albany to here, it takes about two and a half hours. Two and a half hours. Yeah, yeah. I used to live on that side of the state over there, over by, uh, 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 what's it called, uh, Poughkeepsie. Oh, that's a little farther up. The only Poughkeepsie, area yeah. that I know is Manhattan, Queens, Long Island, Staten Island, the Bronx, Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. Um, Albany, Albany is disgusting. And I don't mean to get racial. <laughs> Please don't let, don't let me sound like I'm racial. If you look at any state... Because first of all, after the Civil War, what happened was, actually during the Civil War, they started using dirigibles, you know, the um, balloons. And yet you're flying the balloon, you know, like mm -hmm. around the world in 180 days. And they were flying around because what happened back then was each state had a capital. It had the financial capital and the political capital. Like, uh, like let's say the White House of the state and the financial capital. It was all in the 
same White House type of, of belt. It was in, all in the same building. So now you fly around in a balloon, and you just drop a bomb on it, and you're screwing everything up. So now Abraham Lincoln said, wait a minute, we got to divide this up. So now if you look in every state today, if you look in New York, the political capital is Albany, but the financial capital is Manhattan. If you look at Pennsylvania, the financial capital is Philadelphia, but the political capital is Harrisburg. Right. Which right. they're about uh, about 200 miles away from each other. You know, because it's like an old Star Trek episode and an old um, uh, Star Wars episode where they did, um, the warriors were all tough flying on their ship and they had all the commanders and all the top Jedi dudes. You know, this is science fiction, but you can, you can see what's going on. They had them all because they were all tough and mighty dudes. They had them all sleeping and logged on the same section of the ship. So then a renegade ship comes in and blows up that ship. I mean, that part of the ship. So that right there took out the whole power structure, took out the political and the economic. So you see, so you had to split it up. That's why you see, if you see in Star Trek, the ship is round, and they have, like, captain over here, and they have the second-in-command way over on the other side of the ship, and then they have, like, the lieutenant over on the other side of the ship. And So you got to have them separated. That way, if you knock somebody else's, somebody's head off, if you knock the captain's head off, somebody else can take command of the ship, you know, assume command, and, you know, battle the situation. Right. Well... You see what uh, I'm saying? In New York, right? You know, you guys are uh, not really even part. You're like a different region. There's New York State, and then there's, you know, New York City. Yeah, there's New York City, and then the boroughs and the provinces, because the boroughs, it's like New York City is the five boroughs. Uh, until right. 1905, Brooklyn was even a different city, and so was right. Staten Island. Then they all got together to become, like, one city, but they're called five different boroughs. So, and that's not even counting, like, upstate, like, north of the Bronx, like Beacon, New York, and, like, Albany and stuff like that. And, you know, yeah, like, really? obviously, you know, when you go west, northwest, to so, like, um... Yeah, what's you know, the next county just north of... Uh, I don't even know where... I think it's Westchester, right, isn't it? It's Westchester County. Yeah. Right, because when you go north of uh, Harlem... Yeah, it's Westchester altogether, not like uh, other cities that have right. West right. Space Chester. Yep, yep. And then you got uh, you got a couple of other states. I mean, states, other counties and other cities, and they're all very tribal. It, if you notice all these people talking about the uh, birth certificate of the birth estate, that uh, when you get a billion dollars on your birth certificate, you know, mm, you know, yeah. going up on a, on a different I, I, tangent, it doesn't make I'm, any sense because each state, I mean, each, not only each state, but each city and each county in New York, for example, the birth certificates are completely different. Oh yeah, you can't even go that route. You get a birth certificate here, it's, over there is different. You get it in Queens, it looks different. Even in Brooklyn, if you get it, 
and then you have a son five years later, it looks completely different. So it's like a hodgepodge, you know? Yeah, I'm kind of familiar with the birth certificate information. Yeah, it's a whole whole bunch of hooey. Sounds like Louie, but it's a whole bunch of hooey. Everybody's looking for different remedies, and they're, you know. Yeah. Well, you got to see it's reality because I've seen a, I've seen several gurus for the past few years get banged up over some crap. And some of these people want to drive around with no driver's license, no insurance is fine because you don't have to have it. Actually, in reality. But then they want to act a fool. You get pulled over. Act cool, man. Just explain your situation. If you have proper documentation, to state your facts. State it. Don't go nuts. Because first of all, what a lot of people don't understand, well, several people don't understand, is when a police officer takes an IQ test to become a police officer, they're pigeonholing them. It's not racial, but it's on the IQ. If the cop is over, the guy that's applying for a police officer, is, if his IQ is over 105, he's not getting in. If it's under, like, 95, he's not getting in. The reason is they don't want smart police officers because they're gonna, they know that the police officers are going to start questioning their own supervisors, and they don't want this. I have several files on this. They they don't want the cops to start questioning other cops above them on why are you doing this law or not. You're not supposed to question the laws. You're just supposed to enforce the law. See, that's the first thing the police officers are trying to do. Not enforce, not question the laws, because they say you're not a lawyer. You're not an interpreter. You're a police officer. You're here to enforce. You see? Yeah, well, if you you think of law as as contract, then they are contract enforcers. That's what they're doing. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, it's contract enforcement. And if you understand that um, whenever they hit um, people with charges, that is actual the creation of money. Okay, it so is a creation of money, but at the same it time, is. it's a creation of an electrical current. If right, you study, right. If you study uh, electronics, it's a current. Current. Okay, what do they call money? A, a, a what? A, a currency. Currency. Sure, absolutely. Electronics. And now, okay, uh, at the end when, um, you, let's say, you pay off the bill or whatever, they, they say you discharged. That's a discharge. You know, discharge you discharged the electrical currency. I have a two degree a two year degree in in electronics. Now so also is a degree in electronics. So I know about when you discharge a current. You discharge on currency. So it's it's all a trick. It's based on money because first of all, as of nineteen thirty four, I think it was uh, January thirtieth, nineteen thirty four. There is no money in the United States anymore. Right, that's what I was saying to uh, Charles. There's no money. There is no money. As soon as you understand there's no money... It's all about bonuses. 
checks and balances. Is you either in the red or in the black? Right. So, like you were saying with the electricity, so they hit you with the charges, and you got to discharge it. But you're not paying it off. You're not doing a payoff because it's an illusion. Once, if you pay it off, you're dealing in real money. But if you do a discharge, you're dealing it with illusions. Right, discharge and offset. Because my strategy exactly, exactly offset. You're offsetting the books. Right, because right. So they're hitting you. I guess the the simple way to say it is, okay. So you're going to hit me with a uh, fifty dollar bill. Okay, I'm going to hit you with a hundred dollar bill. Now, when we go to offset, you still owe me fifty bucks. <laughs> exactly, so, because one guy was telling me years ago. This is of nineteen thirty four. Uh, I think it was uh, Edgar, uh, Edgar Hoover. Um, um, I forget the president. Um, FDR, one of them. Yeah, FDR. For for about a week, he closed off all the banks in this country, right? Yeah, they. And and he started. He had his soldiers, federal government agents, bang into people's safety deposit boxes. You had looking for, you know, gold savings. You know, you had gold coins. I come from old people. Grandparents and great-grandparents, they said, first of all, you can never trust the government, and you can never, never trust the bank. So they would save their gold. They would put it in their basements, hide it in the woods and stuff. And on top of that, the president in 1934-35, he hit banks. I think they closed banks for three, four days and ransacked people's safety deposit boxes. Stealing, commandeering the gold and silver, saying, "No U.S. citizen can have gold or silver in their possession anymore. You have to go by the Federal Reserve notes." HJR one ninety two. Now isn't that pretty? Yeah, the whole. Sure, that's the. Uh, isn't that's that the a pretty of... bag of beans that I'm supposed to make a soup, a lentil <laughs> soup with? Isn't that pretty? Yeah, yeah, a- and. The the thing is that they won't recognize it in the public. They won't recognize that system that they implemented. The whole commercial thing. Our, again, they gave us the ability. All the United States citizens have the ability to discharge that dollar for dollar. So you you should be able to discharge anything. I mean, according to the theory. Now the reason that I that I use Federal Reserve notes and I study each time that I have to like open up a bank account like to you know pay some bills and stuff is I do it under duress and I state that I do it under duress because I'm not allowed any other lawful options I'm not allowed any other options so I'm not going to fight them I'm not one of these gunslingers that is going to go out and oh, kill ya. And become like a dom- corner called domestic terror. <laughs> I just stay right. out. I'm, I'm using this because this is the only thing that's allowed to me, and I and I'm using it under threat, duress, and coercion. Because Excellent. of that crap of nineteen uh, one ninety two that you just mentioned that I, yeah. I used in, in several documents. They're they're taking away my lawful right to use. Real money, which is based on gold and silver. Right, provide us with a remedy. So you're not, you're not allowing me to pay off my bills or 
do any transactions with anybody unless you're a middle... You, you, you know how they grab these drug dealers in the United States? Right? Like, let's say you got these guys that could bring in like 20 kilos of cocaine. You know, you know how the federal government grabs them? They don't grab them because of the drugs. They grab them because of the money that's trying... Because the federal government, because of the drug dealers, using the federal money... Like they're paying like let's say fifty five hundred million uh let's say five hundred thousand dollars for like twenty kilos or whatever the the value is once the transaction goes through because they're using the government's money, the government becomes a third party into your transaction. It's not because if like for example, I have twenty kilos of cocaine and I give it to you. They can't do anything because they're not party a party to the to the to the negotiations to the transaction. It's because the money is put in there. So it's like, for example, look at look at history. Look at Spain when when Europe was invaded by the Muslims. It started in seven eleven. It started in Spain. Because what happened was the Spaniards, that most of them were Visigoths. They were Germanic invading tribes that they took over Spain. They, they spoke Castilian. And uh, several other what's called Iberian languages, dialects. So what happened was they didn't like each other, even though they were basically the same races because they were Germanics and Viking invaders. No, they didn't like each other. They had their separate kingdoms. Now, they started hiring mercenaries from North Africa and the Middle East to help them to help them with their disputes with each other. So, okay, the mercenaries started in as mercenaries. You start in, you walk in as a as an assistant, as a helper. After a while, your partner. After a while, after that, you're a boss. So that, that's when the uh, the Muslims took over Spain, and then they went into Italy and went into parts of France, etc. Because you're you're inviting a third party into your private negotiations. If I if if I'm an Italian from one part of Italy, and you're an Italian from another part of Italy, and, and I'm a king and you're a king, we have problems. Let's settle it on our own. Why and why am I bringing in mercenaries from other countries? They they're gonna look at us like like we're crap, and they're gonna take over. That's why when you walk into a courtroom, you have a dispute. You walk into a courtroom, the court, the judge is gonna look at you first of all like like you're a turd. Like first of all, these mooks can't take all t- take care of their own problems. So we have to be their daddies. You see? Yeah. We're yeah, not being yeah, treated with funny. any type of respect in any way, shape, or form. We have to deal with our own problems, man. Not about anarchy or you got to live in the woods like a hermit or any of that stuff. It's just, you know, you know. I don't mean to like preach, man, but history talks and bullshit walks. <laughs> right. That's, yeah. 
You you yeah. walk into a courtroom and um, uh, you get a, the first thing the judge is going to do if uh, you got a complaint against something somebody else. The judge is uh, the other person walks into the courtroom too. The the, the judge is going to first thing is the judge is going to try to see if um he can establish quote unquote jurisdiction. In other words, if the court has the authority to even hear the case much less, you know, make a judgment on the case. So once you submit jurisdiction, which that plunged Spain into the Dark Ages until 1492, and it messed up parts of Europe, like France and Italy and parts of Germany, and like the invasion until they had to kick them out. You had to kick out this presumed jurisdiction because you're allowing somebody else to get into your beeswax. If I got a problem with you, right, and like, like like I know you personally, I got a problem with you, you and I should settle it either in a conversation, in an arm fight, or a fist fight, maybe a knife fight or a gun fight. We don't need to bring a third party into the situation because the third party is going to be like an arbitrator. Starts off as an arbitrator. And you think it's cool that he's going to settle the peace between us. And I think the same thing, he's cool. But that third party is looking at us, at us like we're fools. Because he's thinking, the first thing that he's thinking, that third party, is that we're subhumans. We can't take care of our own situations. So he's going to start grabbing you by your, by your toenail and by your foot, by your ankle. And before you know it, he has your whole body as, your, as a slave. And it all started because you and I had a problem, and we couldn't settle our own differences. Well, that's the biblical admonition that, you know, you go to your brother to resolve things, bring a witness, and if you can't, then you go to the judge. And it still works, and that's the way our system works till till this day. Can I jump in there? This is Charles in Oregon, the host. Um, um, There's been an adulteration of the biblical system. See, the Romanism has crept in. The Romans are slave traders, and and they don't they don't feel obligated to uh, uh, settle accounts and to resolve difficulties um, um, uh, through through the biblical type of process of, of honorably addressing the issues. They prefer to manipulate uh, uh, the process where they're in positions of decision-making for others, like uh, manifests in the modern civil municipal court system at the state and federal level all across the nation. Well, there's the establishment clause, Charles. You know that they can't, right? Say that again? Uh, The establishment clause prohibits judges from Uh, using... There's lots of provisions in in the written codes and constitutions that are not being enforced. See, that's one of the differences between statutes and codes on the one hand and common law on the other. 
is common law focuses on getting good, honorable people in the decision-making position, whereas um, um, statutes and codes purport to have already settled the matter, and, and you can just have uh, a, a person in there that's, that, that's a hired commercial uh, professional agent uh, uh, go in there and apply the codes, and he'll do that in an honorable manner. And that that Roman process does not work. It always serves to produce an economic cash flow for uh, the parasite class that controls the whole thing. Well, that's exactly what this system is. Well, yeah, that's why we need to get back to a pure form of common law where people have their own communities, like at the precinct level, where 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 if I've got a problem with you and you've got a problem with me, we each take it to our own precincts and our, our, our precinct captain, our, our justice of the peace. Mm. Uh, for uh, each that's not practical. Can I, can, huh? mm-hmm. Pardon me. For example, I uh, have a, a property management company. And uh, unfortunately, from time to time, uh, we have to evict people for lack of payment of rent. And as distasteful as it is, uh, in the interest of the business, I have to do that. And for me, not to have the ability to use these statutory courts would be a huge impediment to my commerce. Well, I'm sure it is, but you've, you've got yourself, with all due respect, sir, you've got yourself painted into a corner there where you're profiting off of the common people and the real no, I'm exchanging I'm exchanging it's I'm selling goods and services I'm in car it's it's, it's yeah, yeah but, but but you're you're the, the the enemy is on the outside probably the majority of the people you rent to are good people and they're not part of the mm-hmm. parasite class right and there was a few tenants that uh stole our property and uh, didn't pay for the rent and we actually had to uh, have people evicted and yeah you got to start calling the sheriffs on that yeah and in one case we actually had a, people thrown in jail I mean you know you steal our property no, I know dude I know exactly what you're talking about dude and I did I did I, the whole I, I thing have six houses. I live in one and I rent the other five so I know how yeah to, you know I mean I know what what someone comes in about. you go into an apartment and all of a sudden they took you know your dishwasher no, no, what refrigerator I do is, what, oh, listen, do? what I do is when I'm screening new tenants coming in right I don't yeah. look I don't look at their credit check because sometimes you got really bad credit, but it's because, you know, you bought a car and it screwed up but your payment. You didn't pay the payment, right? Stuff yeah. like that, right? right? You, you bought a pair of pants and messed up your credit. I don't care about that, right? What I look at is the past payment, a couple of things. The past payment on the previous rent, right? Mm-hmm. And I call, this is what I do. I call, I need two past, um, I'm sorry, um, uh, the renters, who, who they were renting from. Mm-hmm. Where was the mm-hmm. yeah, oh, yeah. I need, yeah, I need, absolutely. I need two of them. I need two of them, right? So I, this is what I do. Sometimes I do three. I do cross-checking. So now, because check this out. When you got a tenant that's trying to, you know, you got a, a potential 
tenant, you know, that's coming in. Now, he gives you uh, the reference from his present landlord, right? And you call him, and the landlord says, oh, yeah, he's great, man, he's blah, 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 yeah, yeah, he's, he's cool, everything's kosherini, right? And if you go by that, most likely you're going to get screwed, because if you go by the previous landlord before that, maybe five, six, seven years before, that's the one that's going to tell you the real scoopy-doopy. Excuse my, you know, my lingo. Yeah. Because the pre, the, the present tenant, I mean, uh, landlord, is trying to get rid of this monkey bastard. Excuse my right. French. So he's like, oh, yeah, he's a good dude, man. Yeah, yeah. Because he wants to get rid of him, right? But when you talk to the landlord before him, that he has no obligations to talk either bad about him or good about him. No, he starts telling you, oh, no. That mook started making holes in Before he left, I had to try to evict him. He was making holes in my walls. He left me gagging. Four months rent. He, he took a sledgehammer to my toilets and my sink. That's the one that you listen to. You know, not the current... <laughs> You know, not the current landlord, because the current landlord is going to talk really good about him. You see what I'm trying to I know what you're talking about. When, yeah. When, yeah. And another another thing that I do, I do screening. It's, this, this is private, this is personal, and it's not in the business field. I can do this, and it's not a racial thing. But what I do is I screen. This is what I do. I screen. I only take, at the meantime, I only take four Religions. I only accept four religions, and on top of that, they they have to come with personal references from one of the ministers or pastors that's going to personally vouch for them, that knows them for five years or more, that's going to say, this guy's a good person, he's a, he's a good credit risk. Pentecostals, Jehovah's Witness. Some of day Adventists are Mormons. Hmm. I don't take Catholics because, first of all, if you look at the, the majority of this country, you, you look at you look at the prison systems, and um, when you see the the religion of the people, like seventy or eighty percent Catholics, and the ones that are not Catholics that are like Methodist or. Um, other stuff. Uh, I don't want to deal with yeah. that. No, no. I, I want to deal with um, people of good integrity. No, and I don't do a credit check. I don't care about your credit. I don't do any type of um, criminal history background crap because a lot of people have, you know, screwed up in in the background. You know, they messed up a little. So I don't care about that. You see, well, this, uh, this is just how I do, but um, I'm very, very picky. going to bring people into my houses. Oh, yeah, sure. well, you're because in a they, big uh, they don't want to pay, and then I got I got the six-month lag. Meanwhile, these monkeys left, and then I'm not getting yeah. in there, you know, and then it's right. messing up, you know, my mortgage payments, my tax payments for a year, oh, you, you know. 
Yeah, I, I can have people out in 21 days in this county. In, in oh, a, and another thing I do is when I got somebody that's cool, family, because I usually rent to families, and somebody that's cool, I give them a little bonus, right? Tell them, I have another house that I'm renting. Uh, if you have any friends, I'll give you, give me a reference, and um, I'll give you, like, I'll say maybe it depends on, on the on, on the house I give them. So I'll give you $150, $250, 300 bonus just for chucking me that bone, you know, hook me up. Right. Because yeah. the mentality is this. If you got good tenants, right, they're good people. So good people hang out with good people. Bad people hang out with bad people. So, you know, it's a circle of mentality. So... These people, they're just, they're, they're, you know, they're good tenants. They're hanging out with good people that's on their same mental level, you know? Yeah, there's a lot of good people out of this area. Like, I just turned over an apartment that the guy was a veteran, and he's moving out west. And uh, this is the kind of guy he was. He uh, got the apartment rented by uh, from one of his good buddies, like one of his other Army buddies, you know? And he was like, oh, you know, this guy's really solid. He's a great guy. And, you know, I was like, wow, thank you so very much, you know. And uh, gave him a gift certificate to a restaurant out here, a steak restaurant out here, you know. And, and I didn't even ask him. He just did it, you know. And since this guy's moved in, let me tell you, this guy's never hear from him. Nice guy, keeps the lawn cut. Pays his rent on time, you know. A former military guy, although I'm I'm former military, so and if anything, I'll lean towards some of the military guys. You know, tend to have a uh, that trauma-based programming that makes them behave pretty well in society <laughs> and for authority figures as well. So, oh, I, like but vet- really- I, I like veterans. I mean, that's it's not bad veterans. People are people. I'm just saying that you know. Somebody, like they're young guys, you know. Uh, young guy, because I'm in my mid fifties. Young guy means in their late twenties, early thirties. Nice guys, though. But yeah, I'm. All, I yeah. The thing is, it's, it is. You're right about the screening and and checking people. That's the whole, you know. But uh, like my point before was about having access to the courts. Because well, what do you do? And it must be different in New York. I don't know how long does it take to get someone. Like if you started eviction process. Does... No, hold on, hold on. I, I want to tell you one more thing. Yeah. On this, on, on you when you're renting. First of all, you you don't want to. You, you may understand what I'm going to talk about. You don't want to draw when you, you when you're collecting rent, right? When you you don't want to draw what's called the malocchio. The evil eye of Malokio. You don't want to draw the evil eye. That's the, the eye of envy. Okay, when you're going to go... Oh, okay, I understand. You're right. going yeah. you're, you're to go collect your rent checks, right? And let's say you're, you're renting for like $700, $800 a month or whatever, and, and they're scrimping and saving. And you drive up in there with your brand new BMW and your and your five thousand dollar shark skin suit, you know, to collect the rent. Yeah, that's no, crazy. you don't want that presentation. 
No, you collect? Man, I have my tenants, everybody, I, I have a right to contest. You mail me this at this box before this date. Yeah, I don't go out and collect rent. No, no, but I'm saying if I'm, like, for example, if you don't go physically correct, collect rent because they got, like, direct deposit or something. But what I'm saying is every time you deal with your renters You don't want to create a situation in which there's any animosity towards you or any exactly. ill will. Exactly, so now what I say is... Like flaunting your uh, yeah, exactly. material success in their face. Right. Oh, no. So, so you, exactly, they... so dress bummy. Dress bummy. Yeah, that's Drive like, around in that's a so $1,000 car. That. I have the old beat-up pickup truck, and whenever my tenants see me, I got a baseball cap, ripped jeans, and I usually got my tool belt and, like, you know, dirt on my face. That's the guy they know. Yeah, yeah, that's the guy they know. I don't, yeah, exactly. You're absolutely 100% right about that, especially with middle-class people, because it builds resentment. Exactly. That's the monocle. Yeah, that's the Holy crap, I, I, I got to save up uh, $100 to, to pay a gallon of milk for my kids. And meanwhile, this fucking slumlord, because that's what they're going to look at you like a slumlord. He's coming around in a $100,000 car to get my money. Yeah. No, but if it sees you, always drive around a regular car. He, he looks at you like we, you're one of his own, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But then on top of that, on top of that, never get friendly with your renters. No personal never, relationship. Never, never do the buddy-buddy joint. Always keep yeah. always keep it private. Keep it cool, respectful, professional, but never keep it buddy-buddy. And don't, I, don't, I, I have a rule about mixing businesses. I'll never mix my property management stuff with other stuff, so I'm not going to try to, you know. No, but on top of this, on top of this, and two, a couple of things I suggest, too. Yep. You look at the. <coughs> excuse me. You, you got a record of um, on your on your file. You got their birthdays and stuff like that. Yeah, you well, get a couple. I don't, I don't like, do the I don't do with the birthdays because you know you got like some Jehovah's Witness and stuff like that. They don't celebrate birthdays. But hey, look, I know. But I'm married to one. Right. But married, I'm married to a Jehovah, a former Jehovah's Witness. Oh, yeah. So I don't do oh. the birthdays. Oh, I know but, Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah, my mother-in-law. Holy moly! Right. So you're saying, well, check this out. Um, look, when it's going around Christmas time or New Year's, don't send them a Christmas card. Oh my but God! Don't send them, no, no, don't send them a New Year's card. Send them a Happy Holidays card. And on top of that, the deposit that they put in, yeah. you know, you get a little stipend because yeah. You pay interest on your on your yeah. The interest is yeah, like, uh, always, let's say let's say let's say the interest is like a thousand, right? The the, the deposit. Let's say the deposit is two thousand. So this I'm throwing numbers out there. So let's yeah, say the uh, let, let's say the um the interest comes out to like you know like fifteen dollars. You know you look at you, you send them a card with a check. Say happy holidays. Oh, Hope you and your family are doing well. Blah blah blah. Yada yada yada. Bing bam boom. And you send them a fifteen dollar, twenty dollar check. Yeah. And, and if you, you? But you know how how's that's gonna help you? 
then they coming in and they can eat gas and it's Christmas coming in and New Year's. And they're like, oh, crap, this landlord, he's thinking about us? He knows us? He's sending me $15, $20, This help me with a gallon of milk and five yeah. gallons of gasoline? Good idea. Travel? Because I, I always paid the interest when... Uh, when they left, I always would send them a, a oh, nice car. Oh, Thank you no. very much. When they leave, no, dude, no, don't do it when they leave. Oh, that's that, a good idea. I'm no, yeah, idea. man, I'm telling you, I've been doing this for years, man. But you got to do it on certain times of the year that it doesn't fall on technical holidays. Well, with like, Jehovah. You know, like if I know, you got I know. Jehovah's Witness and you got like, you know what the, Christians. You know what the Jehovah's do? Right? The Jehovah's, right, like Thanksgiving, right? They they won't have a turkey on Thanksgiving, but because turkey's on sale or turkey's you know abundant during that week, they'll buy the turkey. They'll wait till the next week, and then they'll have like a Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, that's that's, what, that's my wife's yeah. family did it. I, I, it's funny. Same thing with Christmas. They do the. They wouldn't celebrate at Christmas, but they'd all get together and have a nice meal, and they'd get you know. Yeah, like stuff. a week after. Oh, I a heard week about, after. I never heard yep. about that, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. see. So you you gotta get you gotta get them to get into you gotta get into their minds, man. Fifteen, twenty, twenty-five dollars a year, but when you do it properly, you get keep because you don't want to eat. Right. You rent in apartments, right? You don't. The worst thing that you want is the turnover, man. Oh, I know, I know. I've been, I've been, you know, you know, knock on wood. You know, I've been a hundred percent now for about a year and a half, almost two years. When you get that turnover, then you gotta start dealing with courts, and you gotta start dealing with judges to get these mooks out, and you know, and then you gotta do the whole thing again. That stresses you, man, because then you gotta get new tenants to come in. Yeah. What I suggest is you look for good tenants, you keep them cool, everything is cool. And cool. I, yeah, so keep people private, personal. And uh, I, I don't bump people too much, you know. Like I've got tenants in uh, properties in South Carolina. I've been there six years. No, because a lot of these tenants they don't want to pay rent, but then they want to squat. They want squatters' rights, man. I, like, <laughs> I ain't doing that. I, I, I said, I, I'm. Go- you want to play that? I'm. I'm not going to call the court. I'm going to call a real mama Luke. And that mamaluke is going to come and put a bullet in the back of your head and drive you <laughs> into the woods and chop you into pieces. Seriously, man, I'm not I'm not dealing with these mooks, man. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Well, I, I, I think hear advantage, from man. the country. That's not cool. Well, you got to deal with courts and with all this stuff because people don't want to deal honorably. Yeah? yeah, it's a last resort for me, last resort, but... My experience has been very effective. I had a guy tell me when I first got into the property management, and he said, you know what? If I, I have a tenant doesn't pay their rent by the 10th of the month, I already have the eviction papers drawn up, and I'll have them out by the 21st or the, right? And I and I used that, right? You know? So whenever I had a, you know, tenant in the past that was, didn't get to rent in by the fourth every month. I I off, usually wouldn't offer them another lease for the that following year. I try to roll someone in. But I understand that. You know. But that's the you got to work around that too. 
Because I'm in a sometimes there's certain different market. situations. Yeah, I'm in a different market than you. You know, there's like uh, the town, that town has like 38,000 people in it. You know, there's not a lot of really decent, good housing. And, no, you know, but I I'll, I'll give you another example. When I was a kid and um, we rented apartments for years, we, we, we rented apartments, one apartment we rented for like eight years, another apartment. Every time we left, the landlord got sad. <laughs> the landlord got sad, dude. Dude, where are you guys feeling. going? Yeah, I know that first feeling. of all, first of all, we were always on time with the payments. On top of that. Now every time you know, you gotta do the inspection, right? You know, you you're renting the apartment, right? And you gotta do the inspection every well, sometimes you do it every three months, every six months. To make sure that your apartment is fine. Yeah. So I saw all apartments were fine. Everything was I do fine. a yearly. On top of I that, do a, I do the fire. That, yeah. On top of that, every time we had maintenance problems, like one time we had paint chipping off the ceiling, the crap fell down. Another time, the plumbing was messed up. We take care of it ourselves. Right. You know, we call one of my uncles, one of my brothers. Instead of calling the landlord, every time you call the landlord, he has to come in. He comes in. He doesn't come in with plumbers. He comes in with his sons. You know, that's how he usually <laughs> works. So we well, take care of our. Oh, yeah. We will take care of our own painting. We'll paint our own apartments. And the landlord will come in first time for the first year and a half. He will come in every three months. But after a year and a half, he came in every month. After that, he stopped coming in. Because he's so taken care and we're never behind on our on our rent payments. The apartment is all spick and span. The plumbing and everything is cool. The first time we did call a plumber because we didn't know how to deal with plumbing. But then we'll fix our own. You see what I'm saying? We're dealing with our own stuff in the apartment, even though it's not our apartment. So the landlord is seeing all this stuff on top of the fact. So this got me kicked off into getting apartments, getting renting houses on ourselves, on our own. Right. But getting people that are cool, you know? Because you got the trick is to get people that are cool. Yeah. I don't allow I don't allow people to work on do any maintenance on the apartments. They like I have what? A like for example, like 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 what? Period. I don't want anyone messing. People are idiots. They're not professionals. No, no, but like what? Like what? For example, anything. Don't paint. Don't anything. You have a maintenance. But if you problem, know that they can paint, well, not like just doing a. Wolf honk, you know. But if you know that a couple of their family members, professional painters, you want to allow them to paint the house? No. You know, the professional be, painters? I No, I really, I've had bad experiences with that. You know, because, again, people will be like, oh, tenants have in the past said, oh, well, you know, 
uh, I'll trade you labor and material to do renovations on the house, and then... Hold on, gets... labor and material. No, no, I'm talking about, like, if the plumbing is clogged up and um, I come in and clean the clog and myself instead of calling you and bothering you. Yeah, no, I... I actually... No, I don't allow that. Why? Because... You know, the properties that I have, all the systems are well-maintained, and I don't want anyone messing around with it because I, again, had bad experiences with unprofessional people. Oh, I can paint, and oh, I know how to do No, you, you re- actually, you really don't because if you were a plumber, you'd have a license, or if you were an electrician, you'd have a license, you know? No, and no, no, no. I'm not talking about electricians and stuff like that. Talking about like the systems, yeah. Like no, but who can't, you know, who can't That's paint the hot bedroom? Water heater. Come on, I learned how to paint the bedroom when I was six years old by my dad, my family. Come on, I'm talking about like you know, like painting a bedroom, painting a living room. Come on, well, who, can't, who can't paint the bedroom, living room? You know, I would, simple stuff I mean, like com- that. You mean com- I mean, competently, I would probably say nine out of ten people, most people can't. You know, a lot of people know how to put paint on a wall, but I don't think most people really know how to do surface preparation and, uh, you know, have proper Okay, let me ask you this. You know what I'm saying. I'm just... Yeah, I'm you, you, you're correct. Piece. You're correct. Um, you're, you're a bit picky, right? I just I just uh, went through that. I just I had a guy, right? He's like, oh, hey, you know, if you buy the paint, Okay, I'll let paint. me ask you a question. No, he said if yeah. you buy the paint and this, that, and this, how... How long was he a tenant? Mm, but a little over a year. No. No, but so I'm saying, I... if I'm saying, if I'm a tenant, right, and when I moved in, the paint job was fine and everything, right? But after like three, four years, and I'm paint, everything is fine, and you come in and you do the inspections, right? And I say, I want to do, I want, I'm going to paint the house. Uh, the apartment, like if I got an apartment, right? I'm going to pay the apartment over here. That's... I got the cans of paint. You know, the paint. You know that I'm dealing painting and work over there. So, um, any problem? No, you don't got no problem. I'm going to paint. I'm going to paint the house. So then you say yes. Or you say no. You say yes. Paint the house. So you uh, come over here and inspect uh, the work that I just did. Because it's your house, even though I'm living in your house, you know. I'm renting an apartment. You know what I'm saying? So, just... See, a lot of people don't think like this. Everybody wants to sue because of the, uh, this birth certificate that... Birth certificate of state that um you have $100 trillion and you don't have to work anything and everything is prepaid yeah well the you know what the big misunderstanding there is is that people don't understand the difference between the uh, private money uh, or private exchange right like for example the birth certificate actually is a bond that you can discharge debt with all right it's you can read i can Rattle off, you know, go through all the codes and explain to you. It's a certificate of bond. It's a certificate. It's like. 
Yeah, well, it's... Of chattel. I don't want to deal with that. But what I'm saying right now is if I'm renting a house from you and and uh, after like two years, I say, uh, can I paint the house because I want to paint this, this color. And everything is cool and you see that I'm cold. Yeah, are you, on, yes or no, are you going to allow me to paint the house? No, just living matter of fact, I'm just the one that's a living couple, there? Yeah, a couple months ago, right? I I had a tenant say the same thing. Oh, you know, the paint's a little, you know, it looks like it's getting old, blah, 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 blah. Oh, so then, I, okay, so fine. Then, then no, what's no, going to happen I, is that you're going to wind up having to paint the dude's house. No, 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 no. What happened was I knew that it was done professionally, and we put a really good paint on there, okay? So what I did was I went in and I said, hey, uh, what you really need to do is take some ATP and wash the walls, right? And I went over there and I took a bucket and a sponge and some you know, some rags and everything. And I showed him. I did a sample wall. I said, here, let me show you. And I washed the wall and he's watching, da, 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 change colors. He went, oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I said, yeah, okay, here, it, it Cost me three or four dollars for the ATP denison dry phosphate, right? I gave him the bucket and I had a bag of rags there. You know, my wife's always cutting up old clothes for rags and stuff. I said, "Here, just wash," you know. And I went back a couple weeks later and he washed. The, you know, I said, "Okay, that's great." Now I trust you to wash the walls, but if I'm actually going to have someone, because like for example, most people would not have done the proper prep, okay? And I know that, like you know, I'm kind of. No, I, I, I see. Right? I'm, I, I see what you're saying. Right. Now. I see what you're you saying. You know what I'm saying? Are you going to go in there and do do all the patching? Uh, first, wash all the walls with a good solvent mm, in I order, right? Saying. Right, get everything right, and then apply the right. You know, most people know they're going to go down. They're going to run down to Lowe's. They're going to grab some green or yellow paint. They're going to come back and put it on, and it'll look okay. It'll look at you know, right? It would be like well. Okay, now what happened is, see, like, again, I'm kind of fastidious. Like, I've got all the paint numbers for all of our properties. Those okay. paint numbers. Uh, let me ask you yeah. a question. What, what do you mean by now, paint numbers? What are the paint numbers? Well, like, for example, I just had a, 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 a an apartment that uh, needed to be repainted, right? So I go down and get the exact same paint and do the same colors. Right. Okay. Right, because then numbers. it's, a, it's a, okay. Right, right. No, no. Let me let barcode. It's actually a barcode. You go in. You, it's on the paint lid. You go in. Listen, go let in. me let me interrupt you there for a second, right? It's my way. Codes. I know. I know exactly what you're talking about now. <laughs> now I'm gonna show you a lesson, right? And my wife picks out the paint. That's our agreement. No, the paint codes. <laughs> Now, when I was a teen, right, years ago, I have a brother, an older brother, that he worked in a hardware store in downtown Brooklyn, right? He worked in a in a hardware store for Hacienda yeah. Jews, right, on Atlantic Avenue. Now, people would come in, and when I was doing high school, and I started working with him because he brought me into the store. And he told me, "Look, don't, don't, 
let nobody know what I'm going to show you right now. This is what you do. He said, we're going to talk about mixing paint. He said, because you got the codes on the paint cans. Because people are looking for certain specific colors. He said, one Chinese dude. I don't remember if it was Chinese or Cambodian, because the Cambodians like certain colors on their cars. The Chinese dude, he said, the Chinese dude came up with a of the color that he wanted on the car. And my brother was trying to spray the paint on the car. You just, just know how to do the color as well as do it on the house. But, but the dude came in and was looking at the color on the paper. He said, give me a sample. He said, it doesn't look the same. My brother said, look, what you're seeing on the paper is not going to be the same as what's prayed on. And my brother was telling me, a couple of weeks later, he was telling me, look, he, was, he trained me on mixing paint. He said, he told me, don't tell us the Moshe, because these dirty freaking Ashkenazi Hasidic Jews they're like vampires. They want to live off of you. Don't tell them all this stuff. You got to keep them from living off of you. You got to live. He said, with this shit that I'm going to show you right now, that's going to take maybe about seven, eight hours for me to teach you this. Back then, he said, you're going to you're gonna make about fifteen hour, $15 an hour. He said, you, you look at the palette, the palette, it's a little circle, and it's like a little pie chart. And you mix certain paint, and you put it in this machine, and you put it in a tin can, and you start shaking it. That's how you mix colors. So now, when somebody comes in, they want a they, they actually, they use computers now? When you go in to get paint, a computer does it. They just scan the barcode in and put the paint underneath oh, there and that, push a button. Yo, you see that, those, right? Listen, that doesn't work as tasty as you're looking at it with your eye, man. Because the computer cannot see colors, specific tones of colors like your eye can. It's pretty good. Color. I mean, it worked worked pretty well for me. I just did a door. No, it works. It works very well. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, you can't even tell the difference. It's like because the trim was painted. You know, the trim color and the door was the same color as the trim color, and placed the door went down. You know, hey, here, give it some paint. Painted the door, put the door back on, and we're like standing there going, oh, it looks perfect. You know, looks well, good. What is that? What is that computer? system based on uh pigment no the computer ratio, the, the computer pigment, program what the is basic, it based on, uh, based on uh, ratios of color it's how color works you know how how is it changed from you know, what you're on? I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example when i was in electronics 
started electronics years ago. I have a 15-month degree in electronics. Because I didn't pay the fucking rest. I should have got a fucking two-year degree. They want me to pay the rest. Mm. One of the teachers was telling us about colors. He was saying that the colors only exist in your mind. The color only exists in your mind. Now, when you mix colors, and then he was showing up as a, 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 when you, you hold this, how, how do you explain this, this brown thingy that looks, it's about two feet long, but a circular, and you hold it in front of a TV and it starts looking different. Then you, you, when, you, when you see colors, you're not seeing colors, you're seeing what you project in your mind's eye. Because colors don't exist, they exist in your mind. But some people like this said, hold on, uh, and, uh, yeah, you know, to make a long story short, he was explaining some people, are, you don't see, they don't see colors. So I'm looking at, uh, because I myself have a slight color blindness to blues and greens. So it's very slight, but I can know, I know because I just look at it and then I ask somebody on a tangent so I don't let them know that I'm asking them such a question. So what color is that? And I see, I see bluish and they see greenish. So I know that I, I have a slight color problem. Now, yeah. about mm-hmm. four years ago, one of my cousins, he applied for a job in, <laughs> in the court for, uh, what is it, I'm, I'm uh, a bailiff. I'm not into the government, but I play for a bailiff, right? And um, uh, one of the tests they gave him, and he failed because he's colorblind. He's not completely colorblind, but he's really colorblind. To, and I, I and I told his mom when she told me this about a year ago. I said, "You didn't know that your son is colorblind." But I remember him when he was he he would walk out with a pair of socks one color and a pair of socks and the other pair another color. And I'm like, it wasn't like the same color, like, like you know, different shades of green, you know, different shades of blue. He failed the test to work in Manhattan. I'm like, and I said, well, why are they looking at if you're colorblind? And they, they explained that, um, um, wait a minute, if, um, you're in court, right? And a monkey bastard, this was his, the judge says, bang him, he's going to go to jail. And he starts running out, boom, boom, boom. So the the, the bailiffs and, um, um, you know, the guards around, you know, they got to know what the hell the colors that he's wearing, you know, so they can chase his stupid ass down, you know. But if you can't see the colors, all you're going to see is a splotch of gray running by you. 
Right, yeah. I always thought that most people that went into electronics were, you you couldn't be colorblind because, you know, you had to be able to see the colors of the wires. I was going to miss wires. No, you can't. No, the the thing is that I'm not colorblind. It's just that Billy would, okay, there are colors, tints, tinges, and hues. This yeah, is what a lot of people I, don't understand. If you know about yeah. electronics, you understand these different levels. Well, yeah, like, for example, one of the color blindness is the inability to see the uh, difference between red and green. And then, like, come on, you're doing electronics? You, if you can't tell the difference that's, between... that's, that's impossible. That's crazy how you, you, you can't do it. You can't deal with electronics. Oh, and another test is um, depth perception. This is yeah, what I think don't it, understand this one. Yeah, well, with the electronics, it's, it's the colorblindness. You, you really shouldn't get into electronics if you're colorblind. And yeah, fact, but a lot of times, they, they, they study, they, they go into electronics because they're like 17, 18 years old. They don't know. Oh, that's true. Cause, uh, I actually was uh, trained in electronics in the in the Army. And I was actually tested for colorblindness. I remember guys got washed out from the electronics uh, uh, MOSs uh, because of colorblindness. Dude, the, the other reason, listen, the other reason that his brother, my cousin, his other brother, his brother got, I thought it was just because of, um, he, he, he boxes and everything, he fights karate and taekwondo, but I thought it was because of his asthma. He wasn't allowed to the... No, but, but he was not allowed because of... He told me this last year. Because of his colorblindness. I say, what the fuck? Yeah, I believe it's uh, inability for your... The code, uh, cones and rods in your eyes. That's... Basically, I thought colorblindness was. Yeah, and when I applied for the army, the only reason that I didn't go in was that um, they bring a list to you. You know, after you you pass all the tests, and um, they bring a couple of lists to you of um, you know, the jobs that you could apply for, you know, the positions you apply for after you know you do the um. SFAP. <clears throat> right after you, you, they give you that preliminary. Yeah, after you do. You you know, so I, the, all the testing went fine. My vision was fine. My health was fine. My heart was fine. Everything was fine. But I don't like, you know, the list that they were bringing at me. So I said no. But mm-hmm. my cousin, and he said they turned him down because of his color blindness. I'm like, wait a minute, but um, wasn't your brother who just turned? Turned on like ten years later. Hmm. From the uh, for the courtroom in downtown Manhattan. So they said you you can't see a guy running away from you because you the guy's wearing uh, a rainbow suit, but all you're gonna see is he's wearing a shirt that's gray. Hmm. Like that makes any sense. 
Well, employers have their right to uh, use whatever criteria exactly they want. Well, what are you going to do? That's exactly what it is. Courtrooms are employers. Employers. Well, the the courts are private, essentially private corporations. Most of them are registered in Dun & Bradstreet. They operate, you know. Dun & Bradstreet. Let me know what you know about Dun & Bradstreet. Where is it filed? It's a listing agent, listing agency. Yeah. uh, Well, I guess more technically, I guess they're a rating agency, right? Dun & Bradstreet. And who controls them? Who was over them? Dunham oh, I don't. I don't know, per se. I'm sure corporation board of directors. Yeah, another corporation. I mean, gen- uh, my understanding is that all of the major corporations are controlled by uh, like less than five thousand people that are all more or less work in concert underneath the. Uh, Operating command of uh, the the families, the large banking families and the elite families that most people no, don't know. No, 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 you're talking about some quote-unquote Illuminati's. Mm. Well, no. No, we just, can talk about the Illuminati's, the banking families. Banking, yeah, banking Big families, the large families, uh, you know, centers of wealth. Or is, uh, who's, uh, it was Dr. John Coleman. We did a book on the uh, Committee of 300. Essentially, there's about 300 people that actually control, you know, 90-plus percent of the planet. Do you know that about a... Uh, let me... Uh, this is a, a little over a century ago when um, computers started coming into thing, and I'm... Um, a couple of news reporters, right, talking about computers. They were. This is when the com- when a computer. Now look at the computer that you have in your face, right? It's either a little micro thing next to your ear, a little film that you can get on the internet, or you know, like um, see, like a desktop. Now, back then when the computers came out, it took a whole warehouse. To power this crazy thing. James, stop this crazy thing. This is to all the old guys that um, remember the Jetsons. James, stop this crazy thing. Now the reporter, he he did an interview on computers. He said, this is just a fad. This ain't going to last because only the five richest Men in Europe are going to be able to afford this thing. But look at it now. Everybody has a computer in their house. On their <laughs> wrist. In their well, pockets. It's, it's planned. It's planned. This is, this is a rollout of technology in order to uh, control the planet. That's essentially... Right? I mean... Does anyone really believe the Bill Gates Microsoft story? I mean, come on. I mean, let me explain. What I'm referring to, you know, I mean, I learned this in business school, right? And I bought it back then, but then, you know, a little scrutiny on the matter. And no, I'm sorry, the largest. 
business machine corporation in the world doesn't overlook a proprietary software interest. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not like they went, oops, they didn't know. I mean, come on. Let me you know? ask you let me ask you this. You know, you know the um you know Earth launch with the light what? with the LEDs? The I'm LED light emitting nine of those when um all of a sudden is that dark and all of a sudden you press the blue button. It started coming out like in the late seventies. You just press the little button, and all of a sudden you see what time it is. You mean light emitting diodes? Yeah, yeah the light emitting diodes, the wristwatches. Yeah, yeah, it's old technology. Yeah, did you know when that technology started, and how? Except when you except when you're referring to light bulbs, but when you're referring to light bulbs, now it's new technology. But anyway, that's just my. <laughs> Comment. The wristwatches with the LEDs, and you press because before that they had the um the ones where they they had to stick your finger on it in the middle of the night so you could see what time it is because you're a commando, you know. So you press the button and the um the glass flips up and you touch it. The LEDs were used during the Civil War, during the commando raids, during the Civil War, the North and South. What? Light-emitting dials, the wristwatches, that, that you press a little button, and you see a light. Well... They were used in 18... 18- 1860-1862. I, I don't really know about illuminated uh, watches in Civil War they area. They were based on potato. Right, but it probably they wasn't were used. a light-emitting diode. Cause that... They were light-emitting diodes because it was commandos. You're behind a field, right? And all of a sudden, you're in the middle of the night and you're wristing your wrist to see what time is going on because you're trying to do a commando raid with the other commandos that are running around, so you need to know what time it is exactly because your other team members are around the right. spot. You see what I'm saying? And no, you but, get into but I'm thing. saying that... It- Again, it it would, without having specific knowledge, I would believe it to be a form of incandescent lighting. Because that, that, it was incandescent. Yeah, incandescent, sure. You have a, a potato battery, sure. You could use a potato battery. No, but it was used out of potatoes, but they had to, they had it. They had to But I still, I still, they had to do something. Because first of all, Nikola Tesla talked about it, and dudes were doing it before Nikola Tesla. Hmm. Yeah, I don't like I said, I don't have any specific right. But but again, you can even predate batteries to an Egyptian period. Yeah, but some batteries back then, you know, uh, you got a battery and then you eat the the juice and all that. You know, they did a lot of stuff. No, oh, they were just uh, copper, iron, and lemon juice, I thought. 
lemon juice. Yeah, you put copper and iron in lemon juice, right? Each side is uh, one of the polarities. You can make a battery. And make do that in grade school. No? What was the biggest problem that Nikola Tesla had with um, Albert Einstein? Uh, that makes me think of that famous quote. Someone went to, uh, uh, you know, a news reporter go, goes to uh, Einstein and goes, so, you know, what's it like to be the uh, smartest man in the world? And he goes, I don't know. You're going to have to ask Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> really? That that really happened? I heard that. Man. I believe. I, 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 don't I, I heard that. Oh, no. And that's another one, right? That I'm um the news reporters check this shit out. That the part of my first swamp. The news reporters went to Nikolai Tesla and asking him about um, um Marconi. You know Marconi, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's a, the alleged inventor of the radio show. Sure. Yeah, he said about the radio. <laughs> Nikola Tesla. Yeah, okay, oh boy. How, how, how does it feel? Uh, what do you think about this great inventor? This is the other. He, uh, and, okay, check out these, what's called a left handed compliment. A left handed compliment. Nikola Tesla said, Marconi is fucking great, man. It's fucking great. That man is fucking great. He's using 27, 27 of my pants on his inventions. He's using 27 of my pants on his inventions. <laughs> Think about that for a second. He basically said that that Marconi was a totally bastard. Yeah, that's why I said allegedly invented radio. Marconi, actually Marconi was pretty good, but Nikola Tesla was a freaking weirdo. Nikola Tesla said, only nothing, nothing. Plug but that's the something. whole. That's the Plugging thing about. Plugging something to a wall, man. I mean, and you get electricity. Yeah, most people don't remember uh, number two or number three. That's just the way it goes. Is the you know history. You know what I mean. And and the way people remember it is different too. Like you were talking about computers, like uh, you know. Everyone knows, right, or believes that the PC was the first computer on the market, right? The first, you know, home computer, and it really wasn't. <laughs> the Atari 3600. Dude, I had the Atari, man. Come on, you're talking about And I had the Commodore, no, I had the Commodore 64, too, dude. Come on. Yeah, those, right, right, but where are they right now? No one remembers. You see that? You see that? Damn, I could have still had it, but one of my fucking moves, man. I lost, every time I moved, I, 
you, you keep losing some of your stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. I had the I had the Commodore thirty two, Commodore sixty four, and the Atari. Yeah, I think the Atari was the first publicly available. No, the other one was the the, the Mega. That shit blew up on me when I was a little kid. Yeah, yeah. After like five years, well, I burnt it out. Right. Your tower, yeah, fucking River Raid. I remember River Raid. You're fighting against the, the, the Russians and shit. Yeah, no, I never really was all that much of a gamer. I always, I just, uh, my, one of my early careers was in uh, IT. So I used to be a com, uh, computer. What does IP, IT mean? Exactly? IT. What does that mean? Uh, Information technology. Yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, because Thanks, I see Carl, that. I where you are. Good to hear your voice again. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, and, and on the Atari and Amiga thing, uh, Commodore thing, I was a big Amiga fan. I, I did the Atari STs when they first came out, and but then I converted over to the Amigas. Um, but the Atari had a better uh, uh, intellectual uh, program of the operating system. That Tremel operating system was really great. Um but uh, the hardware in the Commodore Amigas, I think, was more... Commodore. I love my Commodore because that was the first computer that I bought. Well, that was actually a computer that you can get online, but I worked hard as a kid to pay for it, and I bought it myself. Yeah. So yeah. that's the main reason that I loved it. Yeah. But, Charles, <laughs> you're, you're giving good information, though, man. Well, thanks. Hey, I wanted to chime in on something you guys were talking about earlier, too. Um, um, you were talking about landlord-tenant relationships, right? Yes. Yeah. That that terminology is a pure common law terminology. Um, and and uh, the advocates of commerce and slave trading and things like that. Yeah, it's pretty in. futile. I get that. It's yeah, totally yeah, they, futile. They, they've, uh, they've adulterated it. From from the purity that it was, see, um, landlords used to be like the town constables in the pure society that wasn't all indoctrinated with commerce. And at that point, the landlord would provide judicial process and and police services and everything from hell to breakfast. He, he was also the the local deacon of the local church. It was all religious, all in one organic body politic that believed the same thing and had the same values, and they worked together as a team instead of uh, 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 opposing factions that that, that uh, keep each other at arm's length and uh, have this mistrust. There was a more close, in, intimate, bonded, trusting relationship between the landlord and all of these tenants. And in fact, that word tenant is based on the word ten, and that's what the, the, the common law jurisdiction of a township is, is ten qualified electors responsibly self-governing under their own landlord who's the deacon of the church and the town constable. Hmm. Yeah, that that that's the roots of the pure form of common law that was in existence before the Jews and the Roman Catholics came in at the Norman Conquest of 1066 in England in that time. Right, and then the ultimate coup to coup which was the statute, the implementation, implicate, imp, well, getting a little tired perhaps, but uh, when they uh, uh, imposed the statute staple. 
And I think that was like around the 1500s. And that's where we are. I, I would say the worst, the worst hit was at the Norman Conquest of 1066. That's where the, the the whole society got had its fabric ripped, according to the article by Judith Shapiro. Uh, the, the, the commercial system, mortuaries, right. mortgages. Right. Uh, they can't, they, that, that's the yeah. death knell right there. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and there were various uh, points of high level and low level, like uh, on an oscilloscope that goes up and down, you know, the waveform. And and Magna Carta was a was a high point where it broke back through and in twelve fifteen and it it, it, mm-hmm. it brought mm-hmm. back out of the common law rights. But then, um, like what you're the saying, Pope, stat- the, staple the and Pope. other statutes come in and taken them away. Yeah, the Pope uh, uh, renunciated uh, the Magna Carta. And again, you can say, I mean, hey, you hold a knife to someone's throat, you know, you, you can't say, you know, what is, that's via coactus, you know, under the threat of violence. <laughs> but just to uh, uh, talk about how uh, things haven't changed in that uh, if you look at the Shakespeare uh, play, Merchant of Venice, that was, uh, in its day, it was a way of reshaping people's belief systems, uh, very much as they do today with reshaping belief systems in that, you know, to control people, more or less. And Because uh, at one time, usury was a sin. And, I mean, if you look in the biblical sense, it, it is a sin. You shouldn't charge interest. It shouldn't be interest, you know. And if someone doesn't pay their debt in, uh, like, the, the whole concept of jubilee, you know? But, again, those are ancient things that probably worked well in their day, and now it's, uh, you know, like you said, it is a corrupted uh, Babylonian slave system. <laughs> just, I can't argue with that at all. That's it, That's what it is, you know? I just look at it from a different angle, which is, okay, if that's what it is, then, you know, uh, the rules work both ways, I guess, you know? Well, kind of, sort of, but you guys recognize that the present system is unmaintainable and it's in a free-fall form of collapse, kind of slow motion here? You mean the monetary system? Yeah, the yeah. Social we, system? The system yeah, but don't you, remember when the, don't, don't you remember the last time the dollar collapsed? I know I did. I remember. Well, pretty true constitutional dollar can never collapse because it's based on 300 and some grains of silver. Uh, but yeah. Well, right. what well, you're talking yeah, about sure. is different forms of the de facto Babylonian horror credit debt-based monetary system collapsing. Right. The last time the dollar collapsed, it was called Nixon shock, and it happened in 1971. And, you don't monetize yeah. gold, right? Close the window, right? That's exactly. That's right. Exactly. Right, and yeah. the dollar, and, okay. and, and it's going to get worse. Yeah, and they're ready to do it again. Okay, well, well, we <laughs> see, we got. We, we, they always we need collapse. to engineer something else. The, the 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 normal civil capitalist system that we got in place is not working. It, it's on a downward spiral, and the crash is going to be nasty unless we engineer something better to to give us a soft landing here. Well, organized. That, that my thing is that uh, I got an expression, you know. You get lemons, make lemonade. You feel waves crashing on your head, grab a surfboard, right? So, yes, we know that these monetary systems are designed collapses 
right, mathematically calculated and uh, conducted behind closed doors, you know, in secret meetings, and uh, then the public is fed a bunch of garbage, uh, disinformation, and then life goes on. So if, if you understand that's what you're dealing with, then that's what you're dealing with. <laughs> yeah, but, but what we're dealing with there is unmaintainable, and it's going to get worse unless we start building lifeboats where, where we, can, we can have some kind of a soft landing from the looming cataclysm that's facing us here. Yeah, well, I don't mean to be opportunistic or whatever, but or to appear, you know, opportunistic. But whenever I see these trends and these cycles, I just try to position myself to be uh, in a, to take advantage of it. I mean, well, what, what I, else? What else can you do? Well, you you, you can think more long term because there's going to come a stage. It, it, it's like musical chairs. The chairs are, 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 are being removed by the, the evil uh, credit debt instrument uh, uh, source. And um, uh, one at a time, uh, they, they sacrifice the guy that can't find a chair to the synagogue of Satan. And, and, yep. and people are dying because of this corrupted economic system. Mm, yeah, yeah. You mean the whole? You mean bankruptcy? Is that what you're referring to? The whole thing. Bankruptcy is only a segment. Um, um, it, it's like musical chairs. I think is a good example. Yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. They're I, I got off that. one by one. When 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 somebody gets left holding the the, the credit debt instrument that is unenforceable there, and, and then they got to go to bankruptcy and you know have their life destroyed. Well, yeah, sure. But my point was that, like, for example, during the, the big banking collapse, right, you know, that hurt a lot of people. But a lot of people made money off of that whole thing <laughs> or made, you know, right? So well, my thing is, like, well, what thing, side of the fence do you want to be on? If, if I can't control those outcomes, I just want to be on the right side of the fence. That's well, my... The process... The process facilitates pillage and plunder of innocent people. If you're aligning yourself with the people that profit therefrom, you're part of the guilty parties. Well, I'm not aligning myself. I'm just—it's well, more like from the, the the pillage and plunder of the common people. No, no. Well, I, I don't look at it that way. I look at well, it that's like convenient, isn't it? Well, do you know? Uh, uh, you ever listen to? Uh, uh, Rich dad, poor dad guy, uh, Richard, I can't remember his full name. Well, it's it's a pretty simple philosophy, basically. It's that um, our whole system is set up to reward people and to punish people. That's the way our little tax public policy system works. It yeah, rewards the Roman Empire that was built on slave trade. Right, right. It rewards people that one provide yeah. jobs. Right. So if you provide jobs, if you provide jobs, then the system rewards you. And if you provide housing, the system rewards you. Okay. Yeah, you're like, a good slave. Well, no, you're not a good slave. Is that you're doing something that provides? It's like a nonprofit, right? Government can't do everything. Government can only uh, grease the wheels so that all everything is available for its uh, for its people, right? So since government uh, and and for good reason doesn't get into the housing business. It uses uh, banking law um, and um, uh, tax policy in order to make it profitable 
right, if you understand the way the system works, to, to make it profitable for people to provide housing, right? Because, for example, the people that live uh, in most of my uh, rentals, they couldn't afford to buy a house. They, they couldn't afford a common law society. Mm-hmm. If we had the landlord-tenant relationships in place that I was referring to under pure common law, they would be happy, and you as landlord would be happy. Well, the, in, in, in today's society, they wouldn't be able to uh, handle a house on their own. And that's like, for example, you know, when I was young, I rented years and years and years. Why well, wasn't mature enough to handle the responsibility of home ownership? And then I did. You know, and then I learned the tax code and I realized that, oh, well, this is actually a good investment because why? One, I'm providing a a good thing for people, providing, you know, a home for people that people that couldn't buy a home. Right. So it's a mutual, I I consider it a, a beneficial mutual exchange, you know. Do you consider yourself a Christian? Well, I'm a, I'm actually a pastor. I'm ordained. Yes, I'm a, I am a Christian. Okay, well, I'm an ordained minister. Do you, okay, well, I, have, well, I well, have a church. How's that? I actually run a church and 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 do. Well, I hadn't heard that up until now. I'm not trying to d- d- impugn your character. No, I know I'm you're not. Kidding. You're not. I mean, but if you're just trying to figure out, you know, hey, what's where where am I at in this world? No, I I actually. Uh, you know, okay, well, well, Jesus was separating the sheep from the goats, and there's pr- some pretty hard, serious philosophical issues at play when you start holding a, one in your left hand, one in your right hand, juxtaposition, uh, 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 the me. Roman civil law on one side that facilitates commerce and slave trading, and, and, and the perfect laws of liberty that... Jesus' brother James talked to in the, about in the book of James as as the laws of Israel coming into perfection through the teachings of Jesus Christ. Yeah, but isn't the biggest essential part of liberty the freedom to choose? Yeah, people, yeah. People but if you choose. choose to be a Roman slave, that's how you're going to be treated. But you're not a well, Christian. Yeah, if you don't know any, I mean, again, you know, I mean, not everyone has the same intellectual capacity. That's why they need to be humble before the, 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 those that, that study the laws of God, the laws of the Lord day and night. The Bible talks about there will be people risen up who have studied the laws of the Lord day and night. And, and, and when words ring true, then humble Christians need to align themselves, not with the individual speaking, but with the words of truth, the message that is coming through the individual. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, right. Blessed are the meek. Yeah. yeah. In spirit. Yeah. And that's what we're about the of God. And that's that's kind of my one of my fundamental tenement tenets is in that little admonition of the Sermon on the Mount. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Humble in spirit. Point. Humble in spirit. Like like you said, you have to be modest. You have to be honest. You have to have a good character. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and, and we have to be receptive to to new insights about what uh, uh, the laws of God, uh, based on the Bible, are really all about. 
because there's there's been masses of confusion there. The Romans 13 be in subjection to the higher authorities and things like that. There's a lot of confusion about what is really godly Christian law and what is not. Well, I'm not to impose anything on other people. I mean, I have my own belief. I'll share my own belief, and you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Can can, can I uh, segue into some bold propositions that I would see um, uh, as being ideal in a coming revolution if I would engineer it? Uh, uh, people in positions like landlords, like your fellows, you fellows, the the best package that I could present to them is that that we would give you uh, a, a lot of economic compensation for the investments that you've made in in, in providing this housing. But, well, but, uh, I would I would want to be left alone. That's that's what the purpose of government, in my opinion, is. Well, you, you le- need to be a, a member of your oh. uh, common law jural society community, or else you're an outlaw. Well, no. In a free republic, I get to conduct my private affairs the way I want. Well, right? you know, um, the lines blurry between the Roman version of a republic and the Roman version of an empire. Well, and, and what you sound and what you're talking about there, with all due respect, sir, sounds like anarchy. Anarchy is essentially without government, more or less, right? right I'm not right. saying that. No. Matter of fact, no. Like I was saying before, again, when you conduct commerce, then you actually need and benefit from the courts. Well, you, you, <coughs> at, at that point, you're going to courts, and at that point, you're submitting yourself to one of two jurisdictions. It's either pure common law no, or Roman, Roman slave trader jurisdiction. No, I'm I'm not subjecting myself to. Um, I have what's called an unincorporated uh, business organization trust, a UBOT. That, that, okay. That's part of the Roman slave trader jurisdiction. If you're in common oh, law. Oh, actually, no, actually, it's not. Actually, it's a common law organization. Well, well, unless you 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 your your commanding officer is a common law landlord, town constable then it's under Roman civil law. No. When you set up an organization, in whether it's a government or whatever, a contract, or you get to choose uh, your law, right? And that's kind of what separates our republic, okay? Because, for example, and this is why, uh, as Christians... Um, it's this is very important because when I set up a, a, a trust organization or a church, I set the designation to God's kingdom. Okay, now God created me, and God is my jurisdiction. Okay, now if you want to talk about my statutes or my uh, contract or my trust indenture, well, that's the Bible. Okay? So, so, so the Roman civil law cannot be imposed on me because if I don't choose a jurisdiction, 
right? Then a jurisdiction will be chosen for me. But since I choose my jurisdiction, then government can't choose that for me. So whenever I have, if you understand that concept, so now whenever uh, government or whatever government in the guise or these corporations under the guise of government try to engage, right, any of my uh, organizations, well, I have the choice of law set to God's kingdom. And so, right, so... uh, that's how you. That's essentially how you get to interact, right? Because how else? How else? Right? Because essentially, the big problem is that when you go to interact with these people, they immediately drag you down. Uh, they drag you down into mud, into the mud, right? It's like wrestling with pigs. Don't wrestle with pigs because you're going to get dirty. You're both going to get dirty, and pigs enjoy it, right? Well, it, de- it depends on who's the the complaint. Who's making the complaint against you? If it's a de facto police officer writing you a ticket for driving without a driver's license, sure he's a pig. But um, right. um, if it's a, 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 a tenant that thinks he's got a, a, a legitimate complaint against you, and and you drag it into a Roman civil court, then you are considered no, 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 to no, the Roman never, civil that's jurisdiction. Never, that's never happened to me. I've never had a tenant that had a problem with me that dragged me into court. Okay, well, I'm sure you've got a good reputation with your tenants, and I didn't mean to imply otherwise. No, no, but I understand what you're saying. Your your point's well understood in that isn't it the tenant's choice? If the tenant wants to uh, uh, try to find a remedy that they can't get through their landlord, like, for example, right, uh, I've heard horror stories about how when people's, you know, hot water goes out that landlords will, you know, take weeks to get you know remedy repairs right well i just had a hot water go out hot water heater go out about three four weeks ago and let's see called me friday around three and he had a water heater saturday morning (laughs) you know he called me i went out there i looked at the water heater it was shot called up you know the local plumbing place and Bam, he had a water heater, right? Now, if I told him, oh, yeah, I'll get back to you next week, yeah, that guy's got a legitimate complaint, you know? I mean, one of his, uh, one of the things I'm guaranteeing him is, you know, hot water, the electricity works, proper plumbing, you know, all the appliances work, uh, you know, clean, right? Well-maintained, right? That's what I'm giving you in exchange for your rent, right? That's that's how I look at it, more or less, right? And if, again, if someone called up and had a problem with me, I'm going to, again, you know, I'm going to first revert to uh, my choice of law, which is God, which is, you got a problem with me? Well, come to me and we'll work it out. You know, you, oh, you know, like, I'll give you another, here's another example, right? Uh, I had a tenant that, uh, you gotta be careful with that, Ben. What? Well, I, well, I had a tenant that uh, they had they had to pay their their taxes. Okay, they had to pay the IRS, and they weren't able to pay their rent. Okay, so they sent me a note that said, "Hey, uh, I can't pay my rent right now um, because of our IRS tax bill." 
okay, so like that has to do with your rent, okay. Well, wait, wait, wait. I know, I know. You're right. You're absolutely right. No, okay. But Let's see the way that. you resolve it is, but they already offered me a solution. They came to their brother, cause, right? And they said, hey, but we will be able to pay you the full amount of rent on the 21st, right? And I said, okay, sure. And you know what? On the, tw- on the 19th, I get a check in the mail with a little note that says, here's the check. Please don't deposit until the 21st. And oh, oh, that's a posy pump. That's a what? A posy pump. That's a check. Like, you draw a check, right? Like, let's say today's, um, depending on the time, time zone. Yeah, a post-dated check. A post-dated yeah, so check. today's the time zone of uh, the 19th of, of May. So you draw a check that says um, don't deposit it until, like, uh, let's say um, uh, June 2nd. Yeah, right. I don't take the monkey checks. Why? If you try trust a person, right? Their, their, word is, their word is their bond and their word is good, yeah. right? And I also know just the way things work is, like, their direct deposit doesn't go in until such and such a date and time and blah, blah, blah. And they know, bam, the money's going to be there. So I don't care. You know what I mean? Why they were cash. Yeah, I, 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 as a matter of fact, in my leases, I ask people not to give me cash. I don't like to deal with cash. No, I don't like to deal with cash, but that's mainly what I deal with, cash. Really? Really? Yeah, I find it uh, because cash. Now I got to take the cash and I got to go to the bank and I got to deposit. Yeah, and it. I got to do all this stuff, but it's private when I go. With yeah, but it's, but here, if someone sends me a check, I get the checks in the mail, right? right? I take out my I take out my camera. Check out my camera. Click. Bam! I don't even leave. You know, I don't even leave the house to deposit checks. I take a picture of it and upload it to the bank. Bam. Yeah. Deposit it in there the next day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're taking a picture of a rubber check. I, I, don't, deal, I don't deal with in, checks, dude. You want to know something? In five years, I have never gotten a bad check. Five years I've been doing property management. I have never gotten a bad check. Hey, knock on wood. But I've no, I've never gotten a bad check. Huh, that's interesting. Yeah, no, I understand it. I got a, I got a tenant. I got a barber shop that I rent out, and this guy he loves the. Oh, cat. you got a barber shop too, dude. Yeah, a little, barber, a little barber shop, right? And this guy he always wants to hand me cash, you know. And, you know, in the first year I took the cash, and then the next year I took the cash, and then the third year I'm telling him, "Hey, Reese, can can you?" You got a checkbook? Because yeah, I got a checkbook. I got a business account. Are you goes, serious? Or you turned on cash? No, no, no. no listen to this, right? Checkbook. Excuse right. my French. Oh, right. Man. So he says. So he goes. Uh, he goes. Oh, you. You know, you'd rather take a check? And like he was surprised. He goes. Oh, I thought you wanted cash. I was like, no, cash is a pain in the ass for me. Give me a check. I take a picture oh. of it. Yeah. You know. I mean, that's again. You know, everybody has their own. Pictures preference. can be altered, man. Cash cannot be altered, man. That dude that you just mentioned, that's a real boss, dude. Even though he's renting from you, he's showing you who the boss is. You want peace. You want the check shit. Meanwhile, this guy is giving you cash. But you're saying, no, I don't want cash. I want a check. No. 
Yeah, yeah. So he sends me checks. I told him, you know, and he used to drive out to my house. And I told him, yeah, don't, don't, you don't have to, you know, he's trying to, you know, be a nice guy and everything. I said, no, you know, drop it in the mail. Give me a check. Drop it in the mail. But, uh, I, I, you know, I don't want to get in anybody's business or anything, but he used to be in a, let's say he was in a cash business. You know what I mean? A barber shop, you know? So it's easy for him to just, you know, use cash and save it up and, it goes south for tax purposes, and I was going to pitch with him. You know what I mean? But for my purposes, it's a lot easier to get a check. It's for you know, again, right? Because let me ask fun. you this, right? Let me ask you this, right? Yeah. From we're on the street, right? And um, I want to bag a dope, right? Like uh, years ago, I used to smoke some weed, right? So I want a bag of weed, right? And I want a hundred weed. Well, I tell you to go to Massachusetts. You go to Massachusetts <laughs> or Colorado. No, but but, but Colorado? let's say but let's say let's say you sell weed, right? Uh, are you gonna Please? take check or, or cash? Well, Checks are traceable. Cash is invisible. A lot of these Italians and Greeks and Arabs and Russians and people, they know that cash is money. Checks is garbage, man. This is why a lot of these foreigners don't want to deal with checks. You got to open up bank accounts and shit and to get and pay somebody in the check. Meanwhile, I'm giving you, handing you cash right there. I'm handing you cash. That's what that dude was What's handing you? you cash, dude. But you oh, said, my- oh, no, I don't want cash. I want government Controlled money. Well, isn't that a kick in the ass? Yeah, when you hand me cash, all you did was hand me a 15 minute chore to go stand in line. He had to do payment, that's what he did. He didn't want to go through a third fucking party, man. You you asked him, you said, like, for example, okay, um, um, the rent is 15000 $15, or $1,500 or whatever. He paid you. No, but you want them to open up bank accounts. You want them to do all this types of shit. No, 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 I no. You're fucked, dude. I, I, I don't, I, I don't want to insult you or anything, shape or form. But you were fucked up. He paid you in cash, but you don't want to accept cash. You want the want dude. You want the dude. The bank. The, first of all, you want it in, in a bank. See, you want to deal with a bank. Meanwhile, the yeah. dude pay you well, in cash. He pay you in cash, dude. But you want the dude you you trade to the dude. No, I don't I don't want I don't want cash. I want you to open up a bank account and um show your IDs and all this stuff to open up a bank account because I want you to get the third military man up in there. The he bank, had a bank account and then um He's a landlord but, but first of all, you, you, He you, has a property management no, account. The guy paid you in cash. Dude, if I paid you $15,000 for something, you're going to tell me, no, I don't want cash? Yes, exactly right. I don't want cash. Give me a check. Okay, so I'm going to tell you you're fucked over. Because I'm going to give you cash. You want a check? Like, like why why is it that you want a check? Why is it that you want a check? 
You want the government to up in your business? And okay, when you, you and I are doing a business transaction, why you know I told do you, you want the government up in there? Why? You asked me why, and I told you because I don't want to wait in line at the bank. So. Wait in line for the bank? Wait, yeah, how, the how, how are you waiting in line for the bank if I'm paying you in cash? You can take the cash. Let's say I'm paying you in $100 bills. You can pay that little bit by little bit. How? Uh, oh, what a minute. You're forcing somebody. You're forcing somebody to open up a bank account so they can pay your stuff for you. You make no sense, dude. I'm not forcing anyone to do anything. You're forcing no, somebody. Honestly, I'm someone. Yeah, I'm absolutely. paying you in cash. Now right. you're saying you don't, don't want cash. cash. You're saying uh, you're saying now screw cash. Cash means nothing. That's yeah. what you're saying, dude. You're I'm trying saying to be superior. Eleven thousand dollars. Is a big sack of fucking. Have you ever fucking. Yeah, ever if, um, somebody's fucking paying. These fucking Hindus. And these fucking. Yeah. These fucking but dudes from Central and South America. They come over here with cash, dude. They come over here with cash, dude. They have no bank accounts because they don't trust banks. They don't trust the government. They saved up their money. They're, so that. What you're saying is. What you're saying is. That you don't trust. American money. You, you're saying that you don't trust American money. That you want a government agency to verify if that motherfucker that's giving you $15,000 is worthy of you accepting their money. Dude, you're fucked up, dude. You're fucked up, dude. I think there may be a middle ground. I, uh... I mean, maybe you don't deal with cash a lot, but what I'm saying is it's inconvenient, you know? A check, click, you know? Not, I, again, it's your personal preference. It's like, oh, you know, so what? You know, handle your affairs your your own way. And, you know, if you want to go around, knock on people's doors collecting cash. Knock on people's doors, beautiful. but the guy is offering you $25,000 in cash. No, and, you're telling him, and you're telling him, no, go the fuck away. No, you're, you're insane, okay. man. You're telling him, no, you got to get a bank account and you got to give me a check. You're insane, dude. The guy well, is giving you cash. Question. The guy is just giving you green bags, dude. The yeah, guy is giving you hundreds, man. Right, you made in your cash. Point. You're insane, dude. You, you, you are... Completely asking for the government uh, to be in your beeswax, man. You're insane, man. I'm sorry, man. Okay, well, you said that about a hundred times, but let me ask yeah, you. Yeah, I'm going to say a billion times more. Sorry. Uh, uh, how's your books? How's your accounting books? You got good books? You keep good records? Like if I was a CPA and I went yeah. in and I wanted so, to publish um, your books. Yeah, you report that they're giving you in cash. No, uh, for example. Oh, 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 I hear you stuttering. I hear you stuttering. Okay. Right. You know that when you sell a property, okay, the own the person you're selling it to. Can I finish? Takes the mule. Yeah. Can I finish? Cash rules. No, but you want you want to deal with checks. All right. Well, you just talk over people, and you have a nice day. Okay. Because, thanks. dude, you, you, you're, 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 dude, I don't, I don't mean 
mean to insult anybody, but your stupid mentality is pissing me the fuck off. If well, I give you twenty five thousand dollars in cash, well, you're, you're, you're gonna say you're gonna say no. You're gonna say no. I want a check. You want a you check? I'll give you hey, a check. Hey, I'll check you your ass off Hello? my ass, What's man. I'm, I'm giving you. If I give you cash, how are you? How the fuck are you turning off cash? What's your name, sir? My name is Nobody. Just like the Cleaning Eastwood movie. My name okay. is fucking Nobody, dude. Okay, Nobody? But what I'm saying is reality. Why do you have a problem with that? If I why come over here... No, I'm not talking oh to the God, dude. I'm not, I'm not talking okay. to the dude right, named Charles. Nice, Bye. I, listen, I'm not talking to the dude named Charles. Because this dude is making a lot of sense. I'm talking to the mook in the background saying that he will take a check... But he won't take cash. You're a fucking commie, dude. Pennsylvania, nobody. Uh, can, can, can. He's a Pennsylvania. I, I think you, you, Ain't you nobody in Pennsylvania up in there. But, well, can, um, did your phone ID and shock you? Yeah, because. In Pennsylvania? Because yeah. I'm using, and I use it for this specific purpose. I'm using a Magic Jack phone. Because I know that you mooks, every time I call in to this, and it shows the first code, and it shows the area code. Well, I have eight area codes on my magic jacks. Okay. So well, it looks well. like I'm calling from here. I'm I'm calling from Brooklyn, New York. So I have other magic jacks calls. Okay. So well, please I'm don't say... Pennsylvania and whatnot. So, well, you know, my name is Lewis. Everybody knows me. Uh, and the Skype calls, people call me Master Lewis. Uh, that's my little title there. But what I'm saying, you make a lot of sense. But, but what I'm saying is, how the fuck is this piece of shit in the background saying that cash is worthless next to a check? Well, I'm listening a lot of things here, uh, uh, Lewis, um, um, but I think you're being too harsh against... Um, uh, no, I've got to be harsh and a stupid idiot. I'm sorry. Well, well, um, um, this is the advantage of, of jury trial process in, in developing a consensus in support of an indictment um, instead of just one individual, because, because when we act as individuals, we feel powerless and we lash out to make our point in desperate measures by, by um, uh, calling into question the integrity of people that are, are really making good faith arguments, but, but it's just coming from a different perspective. And, and so we cut deep and harsh instead of trying to exhaust the pathway of peace with them by trying to understand if there might be something that they're maybe phrasing poorly or something. Maybe they're using the wrong words to describe a thought that's basically honorable. Things like that can always come in and make things confusing when, when uh, uh, if you take the time and sort out the details, it, it, there's really no problem between the people. You guys both seem like good guys, and I was glad to see you getting along there in the earlier parts. But 
Uh, might, might I uh, uh, briefly sketch, uh, outline sketch what I think would be a no, reasonable... No, what you're saying is completely correct. We have to get together on certain points, but let me ask you this. Look at this. If you look at uh, the newspaper level or the intelligence level, uh, let's say um, the New York Times or regular new page, what what level is it based on? Uh, New York Times? Uh, what uh, intelligence level is it based on? Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell, it's based on... First, I didn't hear you what it's based on. Um, fifth grade level English. Yeah, they appeal to the lowest common denominator. No, the uh, New York Times thing, they basically go by the same level. Now, when you go to court, um, the first thing that they ask you is um, what level of uh, school that you go to because they have to be plastered to your intelligence level because a lot for you is against them. The highest level is the New York Times which is 6th grade level. You know what they're saying? 6th grade level the New York Times they're saying that the majority of Americans are stupid shitbags that even though you finished high school and you went to college, your intelligence level is at the max sixth grade level if you're smarty pants. You see? So when you go to court, the first thing um, they ask you if, if you're a defendant, they ask you um, what level of, um, of school do you go to? Because they want to nail you down to put you down as a shitbag. Sounds right. Okay. But that's why we need a revolution. That's exactly why. But these mooks. Yeah, we got serious problems. With, with the media is one of the biggest. They they actually influence the judiciary. If no, had... the biggest problem. Yeah, 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 you are correct. But the biggest problem is ourselves dealing with our own families. Man, we don't know how to train our own kids. We don't know how to train our own neighbors. Well, the, na- the 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 media is they're just they're just mooks. Just, it's like if if you see the news, man, for years now, it's a it, it looks like a big freaking soap opera. They're talking crap about this, talking crap about that. Meanwhile, you see your kids walking around with a cell phone, looking at crap. You don't see what it's talking about on a cell phone, and you walk around with your cell phone. Meanwhile, where the hell do you see a cell phone? Why do you need a cell phone? Back in the caveman times, we would sit around in a hut after we hunted 
were on our meals, right? And the TV, there was no fucking TV. The TV was the old dude, usually the grandfather. He would start talking about ancient history and teaching. Now, the TV, about 80 years ago, took the place of the grandfather. You see? So the problem is us. Well, we've been engineered by the problem. We've been socially engineered. We've been subjected to programming by the public school system. Because we let them have it. Well, I don't think the problem is with us. I think we're the victims. Okay? Yeah, we are the victims of ourselves. No, no, there's jackbooted Nazi bastards that are screwing with us. They're they're lawyers and they're judges and they're cops. They're the ones that are that are that are that's where yeah, our problem exactly. is. Exactly, I completely agree with you. The mooks are taking over and they're saying you gotta do this, you gotta do that. Now yeah. now how is it that? How is it that? What do they get their authority to do that? Well, it's a de facto usurpation. They have no legitimate authority to do that. They, they've made because we're thinking about paying two hundred dollars for a pair of sneakers. No, no, that's not the source of the problem. The source of the problem is, is is because international bankers have decided to to reduce us all to wage slaves, where we're all fighting with each other. International uh, bankers have to do what they do, but we no, 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 are no. supposed to First, do they, what they, we they have to do. Jesus, and they could be righteous in their judgments instead of being a parasite class. Why would why would they they be cool if we are ourselves acting? Like Mount Turds. Why? If um, we are not looking out for ourselves, why would these international bankers be looking out for us? We're supposed to be looking out for ourselves. We are, but we're indoctrinated. It starts from from the grassroots, man. Forget about these international bankers. We control these international bankers, man. If you really understand this, because I understand, I can see that that you do, we control the international world, man. Well, we have the lawful right and authority to to control But we're not doing it, man. How how are we training our children? We have no machinery of government with which to implement our our, our, our consciousness. We're disempowered. Machinery government over what? We need to engineer our own government under pure common law process so that we got a common law jury trial consensus before we go out with the guns and start blasting those Nazis. I understand what you're saying. You make a lot of good points. Well, you see, it comes down to issuing arrest warrants because we got the right to issue arrest warrants against New York Times editors that are perverting our our, our news media, and and against the bankers that are conspiring to reduce us to a bunch of wage slaves. And unless we're talking about arrest warrants, we're not talking about real law. 
We're talking about legal fiction, which is just commercial remedy that goes in the credit debt accounts. But, but see, all of that Roman civil legal fiction jurisdiction, uh, all of a sudden when it comes time to kick somebody out of a house or drag them off to jail or something, then all of a sudden they have to invoke common law due process. But even then, they screw it all up so that they can railroad us instead of providing real common law due process where it would convert the whole thing to a grassroots bottom-up system instead of their top-down evil empire Roman system. That is pretty much correct. Thank you. Dean? Who said thank you? Uh, Charles did. Okay. No, but um, um we're gonna get we're gonna we're gonna get into some Wu Dang Kung Fu right now. We're gonna talk about some stuff up in here. Yeah. Because I I completely agree with um what Charles is saying, but um we gotta get into some stuff up in here. Well, the, the economic issues that you guys were debating over, uh, I, 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 I'd like to briefly outline, sketch a uh, what, what I think is is where we're going moving forward because uh, uh, your concerns, uh, Leon, I think your name was, uh, um, uh, uh, about keeping the the fluidity of cash available is a righteous concern and um, um, uh, we, we should facilitate that to the best of our ability, but. I, I believe that that the, the the cash economy can be enhanced without delving into the de facto government banking system, because because with modern encryption technology such as Bitcoin, only I don't like Bitcoin. There's other new fringe things on the uh, on the. Uh, okay, on a tangent. Let me let me snap you off of for a bit. What what do you think about Bitcoin? Because I've heard about that for. Uh... Well, it's an encryption technology that's separate from Federal Reserve notes, and it is decentralizing the monetary power. But I'm apprehensive that it may have been engineered by the CIA. And, okay. And, okay, there you go right there. So keep on. Uh... Okay, well, but there's other technologies. And, and once we comprehend that, that, that international banks transfer billions of dollars around the globe on a daily basis in completely secure fashion, through encryption technology that that nobody with with any kind of computer can can can, can crack for all practical purposes um, then at that point we've got a very liberty promoting type of economic system that can be engineered that, what do you mean that, by that what do you mean by um liberty well it's it's libertarian in concept have you studied the libertarian party at all no, no, I, uh, I want to hear your. Oh, your, your okay, well, liberty is is the maximum amount of freedom that is reasonable in 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 a peace loving society. Um, uh, I referenced the the perfect law of liberty was referred to in the Bible in the biblical book of James. Um, uh, it, it's a concept of of people can do pretty much anything they want as long as they don't interfere with the equal right of everybody else to do anything that they want. As soon as you start interfering with somebody else's right to peace... As long as you're doing your thing and you're not interfering with anybody's beeswax. Yeah, right? yeah. You're not breaching anybody else's peace. You're not upsetting them. You're not giving them uh, any kind of justification uh, to be... Uh, okay, so that's your definition of liberty, okay? 
Yeah, it's 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 behaving as an honorable man. That's a qualified elector. Okay. Yeah. And, and at that point, what the and that dovetails right into a man's credit rating. You know, if you're paying your bills on time, you, you're doing what you say you do, and and, and people around you know, come to trust you. It gets into the concept of trust law, because if you got that trusting relationship with other people, then they can be your second witness. They can be your judicial <laughs> Okay, I got a question on 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 that point of what you're saying, trust law. Right, my grandfather. He was a he was a poor guy, but he had he worked and he had money. He got his groceries around the stores and stuff, right around the neighborhood, right. Now check this out. He would go to after they knew him for like a year. He would go to stores and he would ask for credit, right? Say, can I can I get like ten dollars credit? Meanwhile, he had money in his pocket. Yes, I do. And he would come back two days later and pay for that because he was establishing credit. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.